And now, Academy Award winner for the Philadelphia Story and an elder statesman from Hollywood's Silver Age, please welcome young Jimmy Stewart and old Jimmy Stewart. Timelessness. It's the quality that makes a dramatic scene about a bank panic in 1929 remain powerful and relevant in a picture released 15 years later and capable of still moving audiences today. Uh, yeah, time timelessness describes these old movie stars of yesteryear who warm our souls even as they uh, putter around in their elder years. I remind us of the wisdom and perspective that come with the remove of time. And just maybe by kindling a memory, help us recapture a bit of that charm and might I say handsomeness <laughs> of lost youth. Yeah. Well, you're gonna make a guy blush. <laughs> Timelessness is what makes a classic a classic. Whether you're attending its opening night gala or discovering it on one of those new doohickeys you've got these days. And it allows us to return to the pleasures which comfort the heart over and over again. You know, standing next to you, next to me up here, <laughs> makes me think that getting old might not be so bad. I think you've still got it, Pops. Yeah, well... Like a can of Campbell's home cooking soap, young Jimmy. Uh, my shelf life may have been long, but uh, could not last. Ah, oh, come here, you old galoot. Tonight we honor one podcast episode who defied its own expiration date and tested the limits of timelessness. Where some will rush to cover current events, these fellas took a much longer view, treating themselves and their subject matter not as disposable, but, well, timeless. Uh, nominated tonight for longest delay between a topical event and the podcast episode that covered it, Way uh, uh, Carney and Siglin Lamar yeah. uh, remind us of the true value of patience in this uh, lengthy clip from uh, You Watched It Wrong. Yeah. You Watched It Wrong. Next up, best original song. No, score. Mm. Score. Score, not store. Oh boy, it's been a long night. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, it has. Because we've been talking for three consecutive hours. Okay. Alright, so best original score. Yeah. I got a chance to listen to all of these while painting my bathroom. Mm. Uh, I think just as the artist intended. And... <laughs> <laughs> I liked uh, I liked all of them. I thought they were really good. Now, uh, Black Klansman, Isle of Dogs, and Black Panther, while watching the movie, I said, this music is good, you know. Um, <laughs> Always a good sign you, for an award. 
Well, but you, you've said in the past that you thought that yeah. was a, a sign of a bad score or at least maybe too showy of a score. Too showy not... of a score, not necessarily uh, bad. Okay. But yeah, I, I, like I, I didn't think it was doing... It wasn't fulfilling its greatest service if I was thinking about how great the music was. But I, I don't know. Like I thought in Black Panther it was... Yeah. The fact that it was, you know, so percussion-driven and... Uh, uh, it, it was there like a big part of like the, the trial by combat and you know and the oh, yeah. first sweeping shot into into the city um like the wakanda capital i i i thought it was making as a statement um as much as the production design was yeah it all felt uh, very harmonious that's the great it all felt like it, they were all on the same page about what they were doing and, and yeah, just to clarify, I think my statement on saying that is like, is, um, you know, all elements are support of the one thing. And if I'm thinking too much about the people producing the music or the, if I'm thinking too much about the editing of the film, then I think that's distra- a distraction. But if I do sit there and go, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> that's still awesome. <laughs> okay, so that I'm done with that. All right. No, I felt the same way. I thought the the score and everything was uh, was uh, uh, for Black Panther was was the strong. It was and and, and really really uh, augmented the film and was on the same page as the film and it was really good. I really struggled with what was my pick in this category. I I think I gave the edge to Isle of Dogs just hmm. because um, I thought it was more essential to that movie just because there were stretches where there's you know i mean it's wes anderson things yeah. move slow sometimes <laughs> um but i never got bored and the score was a big big part of of that yeah. and it was just a surprising um left field choice like it didn't have to um it didn't have to go in that direction at all with the typo drumming uh, but it, it worked, and I thought it was I thought it was uh, uh, great, and even like fit with the weird like mechanical motif um, <laughs> yeah. uh, in the film, right? With uh, machinery and uh, even body parts being replaced by machinery sometimes, right? Um, uh, and so I and so I loved the Isle of Dogs uh, score. Um, Black Klansman, I, I loved that score a lot too. I thought it was a surprising and unexpected and non-obvious way, refreshingly non-obvious way to like signal the 70s without having very many like mm. cliche 70s songs. Yeah. Um, uh, but like got the drama and tension of, uh, of this dangerous undercover assignment. Um, but still, like evoking 1972, somehow in this kind of smoky uh, electric guitar line, and you know, electric guitar in a in a movie score is is nice, you know. Oh yeah, uh, without without it being a, a soundtrack choice, but having it right in the score. I remember Danny Elfman once said in on, uh, in the liner notes for uh, I love his music for Darkened Theater series. And I think it was volume two where he had the score uh, score selections from Dead Presidents on there. And he, I think he just wrote one line in his comments about the song, about the score. He just said, hey, any chance I get to write for electric guitar, I'm happy or something, something along those lines. 
And I was like, yeah. And so when you hear that Dead President score, it's like, yeah, it's really good. His guitar is like just front and center. Now, I again, I haven't seen If Beale Street Could Talk. The score has a moment where um, I, I'm of two minds on the score. It seemed very repetitive to the point where I didn't know if that was the point of the score or not. And then it like reaches a, a, a point of a, like an emotional transformation where the mood really dramatically shifts in the score. And then it stays in that mood. And like, it's more like more abstract and modernist. Um, uh, it goes from like more of a, a jazz score to more like a, a, a modern classical score. And then it stays there for a while, and then it goes back to the old, more slow jazz score. Mm. I'm not using, I'm probably not even using the right terms, but it, it, it has like a whole movement in the middle where it's a definite, like it descends into a murky. Uh, I don't, I like, I don't know what's happening at this point in the movie, but something. It almost sounds like a David Lynch <laughs> score or something. Um, well, uh, it's, your puzzled uh, expression tells me I'm I'm not on, on base. No, no, no. I picked off quite the opposite. I was I was just sitting here thinking how my puzzled expression was. I was trying to make sure what I was about to say is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but like your um, your a set, just you talking about the score is like well yeah that's what it's like watching the movie because it's a it's a love story and it's this kind of. Um, you know, begins with this solacey kind of love story between uh, these two people. They're going to get married. The boyfriend is um, accused of raping this woman and uh, is sent to prison. And we all—it's—it's it's assumed that this is a false, that this is a uh, cop that is uh, pinned on him, and uh, they've just thrown somebody in there to uh to just just because he had a run-in with this one cop and then that cop arrested him for this crime because he was nearby and um so then the whole thing yeah and black that's probably the yeah no 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 i meant that that's really why he arrested because he was black and nearby and um and then now the family is kind of thrown into this uh thing of one now they have a baby to raise with the father in prison and a lot of half the family is upset about that. The other half is like, "This is family. It doesn't, you know, come on. <laughs> it doesn't matter." The and uh, the, you know, the, they're trying to find a way to get the the husband out. And so, um, so yeah, so it becomes kind of more of a classical, like panic, like like almost um, not thriller, but that slow, uh, jazzy, you know, happy time goes away and then is only is 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 try is f desperately tried to trying to be captured throughout the rest of the film of like we got to come you know to got to hold on to that part in order to get through all this horrible stuff right uh, their their life has been upended so yeah to hear you say that was really like well no they just told the story and <laughs> you just told the story so yeah 
So they they could have put like some policemen's whistles or some <laughs> cell doors slamming in the score. I think I would have got the story a little better from it. So, you know, that's just part uh, of it. You're supposed to see the whole movie. That's a little <laughs> advice to Nicholas Bertel uh, for your next time. <laughs> but you realize the score uh, is the score isn't supposed to be cliff notes for the movie, right? <laughs> Uh, and then Mary Poppins returns. That score was just too, too. It was just way too. <laughs> it was just way too busy. Too busy. Trying too hard. It sounded. Too, it sounded like it really wanted me to like it. Too many notes. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There. It that is. was almost. That was almost. That was the what the, the intonation game from Siggy's intonation game that didn't make the cut was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I thought, no, they'll never, that's cruel. And then I couldn't even find a clip where he does that. Well, yeah, you know what? I probably wouldn't have got, I probably wouldn't have put it, but heck, I said strike three, you're out, and Todd got it. You know? Yeah. That that still blows my mind. That, it, I mean, well, you immediately narrow it down to baseball movies. Right. And how many so. baseball movies do we watch? Right. But. The natural is on the short list, so still, 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 yeah. Uh, okay. I, Any more on score? Yeah. Again, so the 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 person who won, his name I escapes me at the moment. Ludwig Göransson. Oh right. So he gets up to accept the reward. I really liked. I liked to hear that he and his uh, and Ryan Coogler were like college buddies, working on stuff. You know, kind of like us. I like that. Yeah, I liked hearing except that. Except they've done <laughs> they've done marginally better than we have. <laughs> right? No, oh, knock yourself a pro, slick. <laughs> That's one that was going to be in the intonation game. I just like saying, I just like that one. Um, but again, intonation station. That's that's the kids' version. Intonation <laughs> station. <laughs> And stay tuned for part four, which will be coming up in just a little bit. Um, Narrated by Ringo Starr. <laughs> and then later, Alec Baldwin and George Carlin. Um, oh, again, so he gets up and he gets up to accept his award. And again, starts talking to Ryan Coogler. They don't cut to Ryan Coogler. What the fuck? Where's Ryan Coogler? <laughs> Where in the world is Ryan Director of Black Panther, <laughs> you know it's it it's just it, it it just blows my mind. They win it what three or four awards that night, and not once. Maybe he was like wearing a vulgar trucker cap. <laughs> it's like look, I'm just trying to. You said trucker I'm cap, so I'm like, if Ryan Coogler was wearing a MAGA hat, that would have just they're like, no, we're not showing that. <laughs> That would just melt everybody's minds. <laughs> like, what could he have been wearing that they wouldn't have shown? I mean, the only p- people I know to have not been to have been present and literally boycotted from having the camera turned on them was uh, the South Park guys, because when they were nominated for South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut for Best Song, uh, they showed up in like Vera Wang dresses, or they showed up in dress. 
they were wearing the JLo. One of them was wearing oh, the well, JLo. Yeah, yeah. So they were like, well, we're not going to let them make a mockery. We, we, they are banned from the, being on camera. The dress that was barely there and showed the shape of her body and therefore uh. was unattractive to some people. <laughs> Had a moral epileptic seizure at that. <laughs> so, and then, um, yeah, so again, just can't, I don't understand that. I'd like to know the story behind that if anyone knows. What if he requested not to be shown? Maybe. He's like, this is tonight's about the the, the nominees and not me. And so right. if I'm not going to be nominated, then fuck y'all. Don't. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. If he, I, don't know I don't know if he would say y'all. <laughs> bit presumptuous on my part. Okay. Um, Constance Blue and Chadwick Boseman. Constance Blue. This is what, see, again, I'm not very good at taking notes. I thought Steve's name was Laquan. So uh, uh, Constance, uh, it's, it's Constance Wu, Blue's Clues, apparently. Uh, it's Constance Wu. Constance Wu, yeah. yeah. Okay, was she wearing blue? Uh, no, I think she was wearing yellow, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, I don't know... Uh... I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me. <laughs> it's all right. A spell check. Do you know what? I, I was reviewing. Where was it? Someone at work said, I looked on an old email that said, this is the bet, one of the greatest emails I've ever received. And it was just a regular email. But at the end of it, I wrote, uh, Frito sticks walking seven seconds. And then it said, is what? My predict my dictation text said for feel free to call me if you have any questions. Seems <laughs> <laughs> I hope the rest of this email didn't suffer a similar fate. <laughs> so don't worry about it. So Constance Wu and Chaz Chadwick Boseman, or Boseman. <laughs> Sorry, presenting Oscar for best original song. Finally, we've been teasing so we it all night. Other performances. Except for Kendrick Except Lamar's. Kendrick Lamar's All the Stars. I gotta say, I'm just gonna say now, I love Kendrick Lamar's uh, Good Kid Med City. I really like To Pimp a Butterfly. I do not care for All the Stars. Hmm. Didn't That song didn't do anything for me. Um, I wish I had a time to review them all. I did not. I can't okay. remember when All the Stars is. But you don't remember it from the movie. I don't. Yeah. But you're right. Okay. Pimp Butterfly is amazing, and his other uh, was amazing. But this one, I, even his appearance in uh, Yolo for Lonely Island, his, his middle section yeah, is tremendous. But I don't remember this song. So I'm going to ask you the question. I want you to ask me. All right. What songs would you like to have seen nominated that weren't? <gasps> now, that's an excellent question, Siggy. What songs would you like to have seen nominated? Oh, I thought the the Wade's uh, the Wade Awards would there be. I do have some. I do have some of the Car the Cardi's Awards. Well, I'll uh, give one. Oh, the the Carney Awards. I'll give I'll give one because I only have one, and that's uh, "What's Up, Danger" from the Spider Verse soundtrack, which I love that soundtrack. Oh yeah, the soundtrack's great, and that's my favorite uh, track. And then uh, it yeah. was even released as a single. I didn't even know. Um, "What's Up, Danger." My kids like that song. I, I did sing that song. I seem to recall listening to it by itself and not liking it. But just the other night I was watching Spider-Verse. And that song teared me up. <laughs> in the movie. 
and I'm like, uh, and it was really, really good. And I'm like, wait, I thought I heard the song and didn't like it. <laughs> it was really strange. Um, uh, now, I don't didn't really take note of a lot of songs this year, but I had three songs listed for original song in my awards. I think I'd add What's Up Danger to that as well. One of them was Shallow. So, and I do think it of all the ones, probably I think it should win. I did really like Celine Dion's Ashes for Deadpool 2. I, uh, as heard in, in, in yeah, and uh, you heard that trilogy right. Trilogy of Trivia Part 3, The Pivoting. Yeah. <laughs> was it in that one? I thought it was in the Part uh, 2. Maybe it was in 2. Whatever. I don't know. Um, so uh, I, I really did like that one, uh, mainly because, and if you get a chance to see the video, it's uh, on online. It's really fun. It's really great because there's, I think what I like about it is that it's 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 directly in tone with the movies, with the Deadpool. What works about Deadpool is sincerity uh, amid absurdism, and so she's singing this song. That has some pretty killer. I mean, it's not that complex, but it's um, it's emotional. It reaches huge operatic heights, but it's also about Deadpool's, <laughs> which makes it inherently silly. Uh, but the 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 crushing sincerity of it. I mean, the lyrics are like uh, I, I'm blanking on it now, but it has something to do with uh, with um, what do you, when prayers don't work. You know, it's like it's it's like you, you go through all this stuff, and then it's just just to watch your you know your, if you even prayers won't help. But just to watch everything you you know and love go up in smoke. And, uh, what do you do then? And uh, and I, I just I really like that song. I found myself singing it all the time. Surprisingly, at the same time, I found myself totally enamored with a song written for a movie that I was angry at its very existence. I've not seen it yet. I'm just angry at the very existence of Venom. You have a you have a movie about a, a symbiote that from the Spider-Man universe that looks that the whole point is that he's this evil-looking Spider-Man, but he looks like Spider-Man in a world where there is no Spider-Man. <laughs> what? Why? <laughs> And then to hear them like like it did very well, it did it, it did crazy good, and so now they're trying to now maybe see if they can get Spider-Man worked into the storyline. I'm like, no, you just proved you could do it without Spider-Man. <laughs> so now it's going to make even less sense that there's a movie where a totally separate symbiote looks like an evil Spider-Man and then meets a Spider-Man. <laughs> No, no. Why did you bother? Why did they bother? Having said all that, Eminem wrote a song called Venom for the movie Venom. And I, you are much more uh, infused with Eminem's work than I am. But I'd have to say, from the, my experience with it, with his music, I think it's his best song since Lose Yourself. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it, he, it does everything that Eminem does best. He weaves, um, he starts talking about stuff 
that the movie is dealing with, I, I presume. He, he starts, but he, he weaves himself into there, in and out of the narrative. And when doing so, he's not just sticking himself in or changing the context. He's making you view the things he's talking about in different lights at multiple times during, out th- during the song. Like he basically starts out talking about um, the thing in your mind that's telling you you're no good, which is the rest of the world. And then when this thing, it's, when this, uh, he's ta- first he starts making a, um, a, uh, a metaphor that Venom is your, your passion to do like art or something, so, something that the world is telling you, no, don't do, you're gonna fail, it's pointless. But you're driven to do it anyway. And he makes the, he first compares the symbiote to that. And so for, so he makes, shows you why that's attractive to let something like that in. That itch you've got to scratch. That itch you've got to scratch. And then he weaves himself, then, then um, uh, uh, it weaves it into the fact that why you would go that way because of all these other things you tried, like uh, uh, that aren't working. But then it shows that it's killing you. And then he weaves himself into it as if um, he's the the symbiote to to the to his fans, and that he's the like like he's got uh, the, the the lyric that 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 blows my mind. And I might be reading a little, I might not be getting his intention right, but this is what it's fine to me. There's a great lyric near the end where he says, uh, ate, ate shit till I can't taste it, chased it with straight liquor, then paint thinner, then, fit, then drank till I faint and wake with a headache, and I take anything in a rectangular shape. And to me, I call rectangular shape, he's talking about pills? And then I thought, no, wait, he's talking about screens. Would it be hard to swallow? Right, I know, I don't know. But he was talking about screens. He's talking about media. He's talking about you. You are worn down so much by all this, by the world, that you start poisoning yourself, and then at that point you're susceptible to anything that they feed you, that they tell you. And then he says, to "Chase the demons I'm bonded to, but they're chasing me. But I'm part of you, so escaping me is impossible." And then he weaves in and says, uh, "My." Um, uh, I I ruined your your parents' life and your childhood too. Because if I'm the music that you all grow up to, then I'm responsible for you, retarded fools. Because I'm the super villain. Your dad and mom is losing their marbles too. <laughs> and then he's, yeah, and, and like he, he weaves it in now. It's it's it, and it, he's still saying retarded. He's still saying retarded. The version I the version I have the the the, the, the version I have says. Well, nasty fools. But when you look up the lyrics, it says retarded, which I'm not really too fond of. But that aside, uh, this song is pretty great. I recommend you taking us to it. So yeah, I I, I actually would. But it's uh, reframing the narrative mm-hmm. in the last verse. And the, but but he but see in, Vin, in in Venom he does it constantly throughout the song, and he does it to where you where he says, look at it this way, uh, now think of it in this other place, now reverse what I told you earlier, you know, and then reverse that again, and like, it's it's pretty cool. His narrative flip-flop in it, 
really just makes you start thinking about everything in different ways. And I, that's why I think I go, damn, yeah, Venom should be nominated for an Oscar. The song, not the song, the song, not the Maybe movie. The song is a symbiote. Yeah, <laughs> it's taking hold of you. I think. Well, I mean, in in and then once he does all this, he pulls out the blunt instrument, and the last line of the song is, "You marvel that <laughs> Eddie Brock is you, and I'm the suit, so call me Venom." Yeah, so that's how it goes. So I'm yeah, not he, ready to go. It's too scary to die. I'll have to be carried to the cemetery and buried alive. That's still my favorite Eminem line. Re repeat that? From way back. Repeat that, please. I'm not ready to go. It's too scary to die. I'll have to be carried to the cemetery and buried alive. Oh, yeah. That's pretty great. Uh, so what about you? I also liked, in addition to What's Up Danger, written by Yaw Sintimisa. And Jared Piccone, Piccone. I wonder if uh, Yaw, Yaw's uh, siblings are named Keel and. Uh, damn it! I'm not. I didn't write this joke in advance because I just looked up who wrote it. What's the other? You can uh, start Yaw over. In aerodynamics, oh. <laughs> in piloting, there's Yaw and there's and, uh, Stern. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Starboard? <laughs> Port out, starboard home. Um, okay. All right. Never mind. Joke port, abandoned. Port, you got port here? <laughs> I also um, I also really, I would not have mind seeing nominated Maybe It's Time from the A Star, Born, A Star is Born soundtrack, which hmm. I think is my favorite song from, from the soundtrack. Uh, written by Jason Isbell. Oh, really? Of Drive by Truckers. Um, How's that? What is that? What? Where does that appear in the movie? That's the one he sings. <laughs> uh, I don't care what you sing as long as you look at me. Um, <laughs> no. It's, uh, <laughs> and it's just him and an acoustic guitar. Maybe it's time to see the old ways die. Oh, that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which. Um, oh, like, yeah, that's I from the beginning. Of, where you, I think I of it as Jackson. <laughs> I think of that as Jackson Maine's theme because it kind of captures. Mm. Um, it captures like both why he, because he never really says why he's in love with with uh, um, Allie, right? No, like which is one of the things I love about the script is that there's so much that's suggested without being spelled out. Yeah, that a lesser movie that a lesser movie would would put in the dialogue. Um, yeah, it's, it's, what, that song is both about his, you know, he he knows he needs something new, his um, his, his you know, his passion for his music and everything. He 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 loves it, but he also recognizes it slipping away, and that scares him, uh, because of his his tinnitus, and and he's wrecking himself, right, um, out of fear of that, and then he sees someone who's just like pure, pure art. Uh, pure talent, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and unselfconscious about it, and like he just loves that, and he's like he's not jealous of it yet, but maybe he can sense that he's starting to become jealous of it already, and like something about it's already eating at him. Yeah. Um, 
and that's that's what that song is all uh, about for me. It's just all his internal internal struggle in that song. Yeah, and it's a very nice song. It is very nice. Yeah, one thing I was impressed with Stars Porn was that you know you, if you were just said well, how did if I if somebody didn't see the movie said well how do they meet? Well, he's he's he goes to this bar. <laughs> Which I, I have to say I really I really did like the line. Where where he goes, uh, sir, I, I really don't think this is your kind of place. Well, does it got fucking alcohol? Yeah, well, then it's my type of place. <laughs> uh, and uh, well, the, the that he goes in and and you're like, oh, he sees somebody with talent but no um, career, and he goes, oh, so he's picking her up. He's trying to he's trying to say, here, I'll show you the road. You just be my my. Uh, my roadside fun time under the promise of you getting a career. But like, I never once felt like that was ever a possibility in this movie, that that was his. No, he's not, he's not dangling something. No, he's not. As part of a power trip. He's not playing a Ryan Adams. Right. Uh, he's just, he's, he's like, he's he, truly he sees just... something that he wishes he still was. Yeah. You know? Um, and he genuinely, he genuinely yeah. falls for her. Yeah, I think, I think so. Uh, yeah, you don't. Um, yeah, his his. You awesome. see some version of himself that he wished he that he wishes he was. Yeah, you know Knife. that's how I see that. Exactly. And and, and well, his Oscar clip was out in front of the store, right? His Oscar clip was when they were sitting out front outside the store, and he was wrapping her hand in peas, right? Or was it that he was he apologizing for? I don't recall. So I think it was, I just really love that exchange of where she's has to stop and write part of the song. And he goes, you know, I, I, I know you don't want to hear this, but I think you might be a songwriter. Don't worry. I ain't going to tell anybody, <laughs> but I don't know. I'm not that good at keeping secrets. <laughs> this is a sweet little moment. Yeah. 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 All right, I guess we'll get back to him mm -hmm. um, and them. Anything else about the songs? We've already talked about it. Um, other than we already talked about. Um, oh wait, well, um, we already talked about. Let's see the uh, the staging of the of the of the shallow, which, by the way, uh, a little research found at least an, an anecdotal research that Lady Gaga said that um, we were right. Um, Bradley Cooper did stage that was the person who did the staging for the performance of shallow at the oscars which makes sense because it's unlike anything ever seen there before hooray for our tour theory <laughs> um and i and so shallow wins for best Out song and uh, uh what did you think of her speech i thought lady gaga's speech was electric i really i really dug it I mean, it was it was rehearsed, and then yeah. she she uh, took a second to get on the right foot. It felt um, it felt like she got started on the wrong foot, where it was just all going to be about her, <laughs> <laughs> which I think was the more yeah. maybe the more genuine moment. And she's like, "Oh wait, all right, all right." Yeah. Transition segue <laughs> Transition. into the <laughs> written speech. Okay, here we are. <laughs> it's really about you, and keep trying out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, she 
like I, I was looking at an article today about how the uh, uh, her 2013 year, how pretty much ever since she started, people have been really wanting her to fail. And I don't know her work or her uh, public life or anything that well. I, I really only know this song and this movie and Poker Face, and that's really about it. I've been meaning to watch the documentary about her, which I heard was really good. But it, I was, this article compiled all these headlines in 2013 that were just salivating for her to to go down in flames. And you're like, why do people spend this much time hoping for a musician to fail? It's like it did. They, why? People, people think she's artificial, which mm. is kind of the whole point of Lady right. Gaga. I mean, she's right. Right. she's not pretending she's not artificial. She's um, She's making a point of how of her artifice, like that's a big do you know, part of the act. But she's she writes a a, a great pop hook, do you know, and that, she got a great set of pipes. She sings really well. Yeah, I like her. I like uh, I like her hits. Um, although uh, whenever I'm like, okay, and you know this song sounds fun to sing along with, and then I'll start singing like, oh, these lyrics are okay. Don't pay attention to the lyrics. <laughs> I think that that thing just kind of sounded reminded me of something my mom said once when I I had recommended her the movie Win Win with Paul Giamatti, and I don't know if you've seen it, not too much to get into, but basically, <laughs> I asked her uh, if she liked it, and she said, "Yeah, uh, I mean, it was it was kind of good, but I really really didn't like that he was taking that insurance money from his clients," and like, it, like she said it like it's a bad movie. Because that character did something bad. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's kind of the... I mean, it's not advocating that. It's something that character did. <laughs> it's like, um, it's, yeah, I, I, he goes, yeah, it's a bad movie. Because that character did a bad thing. I'm like, well, the movies are about characters doing good and bad things. <laughs> I don't know why are you why are you writing off the movie because I don't like Die Hard because Hans Gruber shot a guy. <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> Sorry, mom. You don't you don't like that on everything, but this time I was like, I don't get it. I don't <laughs> Um But uh, uh I guess the reason why I I think the reason why her speech kind of landed with me was because I think days earlier I read an article and who knows what their take on this was. I wasn't there, but uh, it was the article about um, Bebe Rexa who uh, was doing some... Bebe Rexa? I don't know. <laughs> she's a sing She's a singer. <laughs> she's a singer. Uh, I don't know her work. Um, I had seen something about her, the headline about her a while back that I was like, oh yeah, you go. That's I like that, what you said there. Basically, she was shooting down body shaming, and um, but this uh, this article went to say that she was doing like a there was like a it was like a not a corporate event but kind of not really a concert. She was performing at like a corporate event, I guess, and uh, she's singing her number one hit song, and she kind of throws it to the crowd to sing, and nobody sings, and they're all just kind of milling around talking with each other. And then she kind of goes ballistic and starts yelling. I work too. She's like 24 years old or something. She goes, I work too fucking hard to put up with this shit. All right. This song was number one on the charts 
for fucking so long. And she goes, if you, I'm kind of trying to How quote. How dare you and she not said, like it. Yeah. And she says, if you know the fucking words, then you fucking sing the song. And like, it, the, the phrase that got me was, I work too hard for this. I'm like, yeah, no, what, what you, what you, to put out anything like that is a tremendous amount of work, but that doesn't justify, that doesn't equate to everyone loving you, you know? And so what I liked about Gaga's speech when she said, it's not about the winning, it's not about this stuff. It's like, it's about being, every time you get knocked down, you, you keep going, you get up, you, you're Spider-Man basically. If you get knocked down, you get up. And like um, um, maybe it was the Spider-Verse kind of infusing with that too. But like uh, I was thinking of like, that's a much better attitude than the other thing I read. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm talking uh, about things I don't know about. But The, the three works uh, which are mentioned in the first paragraph of her Wikipedia article are The Monster, I Don't Want to Grow Up, and I'm Going to Show You Crazy. So maybe she was just being on brand. <laughs> Oh, that's Bebby Rexa? Yes. All right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. All right. Um, yeah, that's why that, that's why that joke works. <laughs> <laughs> I should have, I should have made pains to. I thought you were talking about Bradley Cooper. For some, I was, I was just thinking about Bradley Cooper. <laughs> okay, well, congratulations to songwriters. <laughs> uh, Lady Gaga, Mark Ronson who I'll always love is the producer of um, Amy Winehouse's Back in Black, Anthony Rosamundo and Andrew Wyatt. Good, a, good, a lot of hands for you guys. Nick. So at this point, the they president... The Chickaverse? They each took a verse. Oh, into the Chickaverse. Um, okay, so at this point, the, the point, the point of the show everyone was waiting for, the president of the Academy came out. Yeah. And... Now, why? Who says we don't need a host? <laughs> why didn't they make this guy the MC? I I have to admit, clearly, they clearly couldn't keep him off the stage. <laughs> they just had to put him on. It uh, would have felt incomplete if we didn't get to see the president of the academy. Right. I I have to shamefully admit that, right when he was about to speak, I out loud I riffed, ribbit. <laughs> Like he just—I feel bad because I, you know he just looked—he looked like he had the neck of a frog. <laughs> so. Maybe that's it. Maybe backstage he was like had a top hat and a cane, and he was singing and dancing, <laughs> and like what an entertainer! And then they shove him on stage and <laughs> just his ribbon. They're like, no, really, seriously, he's the president of the Damn academy. This segment was going to be so great. <laughs> I just wanted to cut to the guy reacting that he's not <laughs> twinkle the mustache. Oh boy. So the in memoriam section, I, I, I don't, I, I hesitate to say I like it cause it's sad, <laughs> but I think it's important. Yay. The dead people. <laughs> well, I do. I think it's important to acknowledge, you know, we're a community and, um, Let's acknowledge the people that, that we lost. It's a reminder of, I don't know, I, I, I like it. I think that no matter what it does to the show, <laughs> I think it's 
I think it's a, a pertinent thing to do. I guess they've uh, made a change where they asked the audience not to applaud for yeah. the, the dead people they like and remain silent for the dead people they don't care about dying. Although it just seems weird to applaud someone's death. Like I think that's... <laughs> well, they're no, they're applauding their life. you got to be careful about what message you're sending. Yeah, they're applauding their life. But the fact that everyone set their... Without react, I mean, I, I understand. It's like the publicist comes up and everyone's, you know... No, does anything, and then the star comes up, and then you know the sound mixer, and like four or five people clap. It's embarrassing because the sound mixer is just as important, you know. But um, but you do miss that kind of reaction from the, the. I miss hearing the appreciation from the crowd. You know what I mean? But to get that, you but have it to. It is weird when someone gets no appreciation. <laughs> it is weird when no one gets like, it for That is the point of including them in, in memoriam and then. Right. Uh, and then they get nothing. Yeah. And it kind of falls flat. Yeah. I mean, what was it last year? I was waiting for. Which okay, is why at my funeral, we'll be having a sign that says free beer. <laughs> I, I think I'll have a big sign up that just says applaud for the living, <laughs> applaud for those who haven't died. I like people who don't die. The winners. The win- <laughs> Um. Yeah. So anyway, I, I remember last year we were talking about. I I, I was I think I was worried. That like, okay, how much applause is Jerry Lewis going to get? <laughs> I mean, they're obviously going to end with Jerry Lewis, and I don't think it's going to get the big applause everyone's going to. They're banking on. His clip should have been uh, from the clown who cried. <laughs> the day the clown cried. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. So then. Uh, oh, but wait. You know what? OK, so, you know, there's always an omission or whatever. There's, a, you know, uh, there's a couple of people I didn't realize had passed away. I didn't realize Bruno Gans had passed away. That that hurt. Um, but the, the fact that there was no Dick Miller in like Dick Miller, the ubiquitous character actor who's in everything. And he passed away this oh, year. Oh, Mr. Futterman. Yeah. He he was here. He passed away this year and he's not in there. That's that's for shame, Academy. For shame for leaving him out. Um Looks like Joe Dante was a big Dick Miller fan. Yeah. It's in every Joe Dante. He's movie. in every Joe Dante movie, yeah. He's also in uh, the original Little Shop of Horrors as the guy that eats flowers. <laughs> you know, I've eaten in shops all around the world. And I got to tell you, these are pretty good. <laughs> the Little Shop of Horrors. Your mom didn't like that movie. That plant should not drink blood. such <laughs> a not drink blood. What did your mom call that movie? Little House of Terrors. No, it's Tiny House of Terrors. No, it was Little House, but it should have been Tiny House. But it was oh, little... was it? Okay. I yeah, thought he, she, she hadn't gone full blown. <laughs> did I tell the story on this podcast? I'm sure I did. I don't. I don't think so. Oh, really? All right. So, um, my um, my parents have a, a, a incredibly amusing ability to just get any title wrong. It, it, the, I think the I think the the gem of the germ of the idea behind it stays, but then the words just get all mangled in the washing machine of, of thought, and um, so it's become a fun game to try to figure out what movie they're talking about. It started out, you know, like Little House, Little Shop of Horror, Little House of Terror, 
and then the madness of King George was that crazy George. I think she <laughs> made it a sitcom somehow. Um, but but it's always been fun to kind of place it out. My favorite time being, um, I was on the phone with my mom, and she and her sister had gone had were visiting. Each, uh, she was visiting her sister in Tennessee, and they decided to go to the movies. But they just they did something that I don't know if people do. They just went. They said we're going to go to the movies, and they just went to the building, not knowing what they were going to see. Oh yeah, yeah, it was, which is fun. Uh, you know, it's fun, but they just went, what's playing at the movies? So they go and they ask the lady, is there anything funny playing? And uh, they, so the, the person says, this movie is a comedy. So they go and see it. And she goes, and this movie was, it was filthy. Just every word was just a, just a, a, a horrible word. And uh, I'm, this is not a good impression of my mom. Just <laughs> <laughs> every word was just horrible. We were so mortified. We were, this is supposed to be a comedy and so we walked out and we went down and saw this other movie. And I go, well, what was the movie that you walked out of, Mom? And she goes, um, Fast Lemon. And I said, okay, let me think about it. Let me sing it. Fast Lemon. Lemon Fisted. Pineapple Express? That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> so there I, are like hands getting blown up by shotguns in that. <laughs> Comedy. They didn't get that far, so they walked out of that one. That's they, they made a good choice, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, then my brother loved to my, go, my brother loved <laughs> to go and say that's one of Wade's favorite movies. <laughs> I go, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> my grandma uh, would tell the story about how uh, uh, my grandma and grandpa hadn't gone to the movies in a long time. Like she would tell, like decades, and so they went and saw this movie called Blues Brothers. And like, and this movie was great. It had great music. It was funny. It had uh, uh, car chases. And we were like, we didn't know they made movies this good anymore. We should go to the movies every week. So the next week we went and saw this movie called Airplane. And that was the dumbest movie <laughs> I'd ever seen. And we said, we're never going to the movies again. And that was the last time I've been to a movie. Boy, they really... They really make decisions based on what was ever in front of their face. <laughs> but they but they saw that the Blues Brothers existed, so they knew that some movies were good. There's, yeah, it seems uh, that's uh, <laughs> an interesting way to make judgments and life decisions. Life decisions. Based on very limited <laughs> input. <laughs> she saw two good ones. Just uh, She just, just like, it's not like worth one. the risk. It's not worth the risk. My dad's favorite, my favorite of my dad's uh, movie titles that he's gotten wrong is Round Up the Unusual Suspects. <laughs> right. That's right. And that's Casablanca, right? That's... Which is one of his favorite. Well, <laughs> that would be better. But it's it's one of his favorite movies and he can't get the title right. Yeah. Well, my, of course, yeah. once he, he let it slip, once he, my, he said something, my mom got really pissed off at him which is a regular occurrence and she stormed out of the room and then he turns to seymour this is early in our marriage and he says with a twinkle in his eye i only have to say it wrong this much <laughs> so i think 
I think it's an act. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes it's not. Because there's the famous story of when <laughs> uh, 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 his father had died. And um, maybe it was the anniversary of his death. And he went to Big Lots to uh, get a flower to put on his grave. And so as my dad tells the story, so I go up to the kid and I say, uh, show me where the pinatas are. And he takes me back to the, the Mexican, uh, he takes me back to an aisle with all this Mexican shit. I'm like, no, I don't want this shit. I want a pinata to put on my father's grave. And he meant a poinsettia. Poinsettia, but right. But even... That's what it's like. Are you having a stroke, sir? But as he's telling the story, he's still like insisting that this kid was screwing with him. <laughs> and then he leaves the store and this kid turns to the next customer. I only have to get it wrong this much. <laughs> <laughs> now, what the kid should have done is given him a pinata and said, sir, this is a poinsettia. <laughs> way to put this yellow donkey on my father's grave well and i've told my dad you know what i'm putting on your grave (laughs) (laughs) that's that's beautiful that's beautiful you know my um you know a present company excluded my uh my best friend uh matt bishop who i named my uh, son after um, who passed away in 2005, um, he, um, he had always said his whole life, uh, when someone said, what do you want on your tombstone? He'd say, hmm, sausage and pepperoni. <laughs> and um, and a, a, another friend of mine said, said like, like when he passed away, I, I'd always wanted to do something that he would appreciate. Um, and I thought of that and I thought, you know what? It would be so Matt, maybe I should advocate to have his tombstone say Tom Hesche Bishop and then Prince's sausage and pepperoni. <laughs> or just, and, it could be like in quotes. Yeah, the, exactly. In quotes at the, the bottom. Epitaph. And and then I thought, uh, I mean, my his parents and I are very close. They're like my second parents, but I still didn't feel quite right <laughs> about broaching that topic. Um, so I, I I ended up just kind of letting it go and feeling bad about it. But my, another friend of mine uh, went and took a photo of his uh, site with a package of sausage and a packet of pepperoni on it. Said there. Uh-huh. I thought that was very sweet. So, <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, where were we? Okay, so we are. Uh, I did the rivet. <laughs> the Governor's Awards. They do the quick montage about the people that they gave technical awards and achievement awards at two previous ceremonies prior to this telecast. And they gave, like, after the montage, they gave a quick shot of those winners there that they honored there on the balcony. And it lasted maybe one second, which to me gave us a tiny glimpse into the alternate reality of what could have been 
if those other quote unquote lesser categories were handed out awards during the commercial break like they originally planned, that's how much love they would have received. I'm sure of it. Or so, maybe less. Or maybe less because it was going to take up more time. So I'm glad that they nixed that. I'm glad the the they kowtowed to the um, outcry. So that was good. Kowtow to the outcry. <laughs> kowtow to the downtown. So then... <laughs> Barbara Streisand in shimmery black, I think. I didn't make a note of that. That's how, what I remember. <laughs> yeah, no, she was in I, shimmery black. Because everybody, everybody cares about my fashion notes, right? Everybody yeah. appreciates this part I, of the podcast. I like that you right? have. I like that you have them personally, because I rarely take I mean, notes. That's, it's a big part of why I watch the, the glitz, the glamour. I like to know what choices people make about how to present themselves when their whole career is about presenting themselves. Now, what I heard, what I took note of was uh, Richard E. Grant. They cut to Richard E. Grant, who was losing his mind at seeing Barbara Streisand. Or, no, well, no, he wasn't losing his mind. I really like Richard E. Grant's expression on his face when Barbara Streisand came out. He was just like, oh, it's Barbara Streisand. He was so excited. Um, but so uh, so uh, she comes out. And I, I have to I have to say that Barbara, uh, Barbara makes a reference to uh, Spike Lee in a conversation they had. Tells a joke about Spike Lee and they cut Spike Lee and Spike Lee starts reacting. He stands up and he goes. And then the fact that the cameraman had to follow him, it blew Barbara's uh, punchline because the camera swooped up with Spike Lee as he stood up and playing along. And you see the teleprompter. You see Barbara's teleprompter over his shoulder. So you see the line she's going to say next, which was, and we also share the same taste in hats. And we see it on the prompter. And then she goes, and we see the same taste in hats. And I go, oh. And at that moment. She should have shared her notes with uh, Spike so he, <laughs> he could play along. And then Carrie walked in the room and saw Barbara Streisand and said, she always wears that dumb hat. <laughs> hey, I'm a fan of wearing hats indoors. I, uh, You're doing so right now. But I mean dress hats. I'm wearing a baseball cap right now. Oh, okay. You're, you want to do fedoras I want to start dress hats indoors. to work. I brought it up at a at an admin meeting. It's like, is everyone cool if I... <laughs> I didn't say it this way, but the subtext was, if I start wearing a dress hat to meetings, will people think I'm an asshole? That was... Until everybody else is doing it. <laughs> I, I said it in different words. Right, right. And then, uh, and then I said, I'm just tired of my head feeling cold. And then everyone like had a weird look on their face, which told me, you're doing it because you're going bald, dude. <laughs> you're not fooling us by saying your head's well, going cold. But my head's going cold. My head's getting cold because I'm going bald. Right. That's not, connected. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It, you weren't. It's like you were saying, wow, my, I want to. I want to. You didn't say I want to start wearing hats because my hair keeps flying all around. My lux, my rich, luxurious locks keep getting blown by the AC. I want to put a hat on and tamp that, you know, down. It's getting. You know, Anyone mind if I start wearing a hair net to keep my hair from falling out? <laughs> yeah. A babushka. See? A babushka. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Babushka, so she's wearing a beret. Barbara Streisand walks out in a beret. 
Yes. Oh, I was I was tossing to you. I wasn't saying, and then a rabbi and a sheik and a <laughs> wasn't setting up a joke. Okay. I'm looking at your two things. I jumped ahead. I'm looking at your two things on the outline. <laughs> what? Truth what do is I have? truth is especially precious these days oh. in the clips. Oh right. Sorry, we no, were right. down. We were we were three bullet points below that. So yeah, exactly. I, uh, I jumped ahead. That was up there. I thought they're no, gonna be quick. Okay. I'm just gonna get them out of the way. Yeah, you were saying uh, I should uh, I should take note of what's up above there. Um, yeah, I thought it was a good line. Truth is especially precious these days. It I don't is. have anything particular to say about it. I was just gonna give a shout out to um, casting truth in a model of supply and demand, where <laughs> supply is limited and therefore demand increases. Yep, which makes it a more precious resource. And how do you think? So if you're in the truth market, <laughs> that's a good time to buy. Oh, it's a good, no, it's a good time to sell. It's yeah. a good time to sell. Ah, damn it! <laughs> don't don't sit on your truth. This is why I'm no good with money. Okay. <laughs> Next up, Allison Janney, and a head shorter than Allison Janney, <laughs> Gary Oldman. I think he was reprising his role from Tiptoes. <laughs> Surprised he wanted. If they ever need to cast someone for uh, Brienne of Tarth's mom, (laughs) she doesn't like really strike a resemblance. But um, you know what? No, Sigourney Weaver would be a better choice. Mm. Okay, never mind. Sorry, Allison Jan, I've recast you. (laughs) Maybe she can play Sigourney Weaver in the Sigourney Weaver story. To which Sigourney Weaver would be like, "Hello." I'm still here. <laughs> All right. So okay, they Wade. They, they uh um, We are into the major categories. We are into the major categories. Finally. Home stretch. All right. The, the last 90 minutes of this podcast. So, best actor in a leading role. The nominees are Christian Bale in Vice, Bradley Cooper, Starsborn, William Dafoe at, at Eternity's Gate. Rami Malek, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Viggo Mortensen, Green Book. Now, I don't like concentrating on the horse race or uh, right. who the favorite is. I, I, I try not to follow that. It bores but, me. Yeah, but everybody thought Christian Bale was going to win this, right? Just um, because that's the formula. Famous person, actor who doesn't really look like that person, they managed to make you forget you're looking at the actor and you think you're just watching the famous person. Oscar. Actually, people were saying Rami Malek was the favorite. Really? They were. They were all saying he because, was the favorite. Because they thought he was the best performer? Well, he won- he, he took the Golden Globe, I believe. Did he? I didn't. And, and they were that. they were pushing they were pushing Bohemian Rhapsody hard probably to distance themselves from the Brian Singer um scandals weirdly so do you think they just wanted to let, let the movie go away or whatever but um are, are people that swayed by the promotion campaigns because that's just stupid I, I i yeah it's it's weird to me i don't understand it's, it seems irresponsible to vote according to how things were promoted to you well you watched the movie right, right? well i i know a couple of people who are uh voters in guilds like that and you know they have 
Some have said they feel the pressure to watch them all but can't and then just rely on either what they heard or Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and other people said, yeah, I just, I don't have time to watch any of that stuff. And I'm like, how can you not, if you're voting, how can you not watch everything when you vote? Otherwise, how many don't movies vote. would they have to, they just have to watch the final nominees, right? Right. I think so. Yeah. If it's, you're in the guild, I don't know. I would take it as a professional responsibility. I would too. Absolutely. But, you know, as we say, say or just time, not vote, abstain. abstain, abstain if you haven't seen them. Yeah, I mean, I, I have enough, I have a hard enough time talking about who I want to win when I haven't seen everything. You know, like, like I've written off Willem Dafoe in Eternity's Gate, not because I don't think Willem Dafoe is a great actor or has, would turn in a good performance in that movie. I just saw the trailer and I didn't like the tone of the movie. And I was like, eh, I'm not going to bother. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, you don't have a professional responsibility because we don't owe anything to our podcast audience. <laughs> <laughs> right. But still, I, I have a completist, uh, uh, I have a completionist attitude about things uh, to a to a to a crippling fault, actually. So um, uh, I, I do feel like I should watch all these things before I have a comment. Like I want I this whole time I have been fighting, fighting, fighting the urge to list all the movies that came out this year that I haven't yet seen. So you'll know that I, I'm not judging those because I haven't seen those. <laughs> we. Wait, like category by category? Or just mean like every movie? It's every movie. Like all my decisions, okay. I haven't seen these movies. So I you know, don't think I'm sliding them if they're great because I haven't seen them. <laughs> we all thank you for fighting that urge. But since you edit the podcast, I think you might thank yourself. Well, I, I, well, don't, don't think that I haven't thought I'd spare you and then drop in a whole 10 minute, something of me just monologuing <laughs> about it. That's that, possible. That has been something I have considered. <laughs> I won't even find out until I listen. To until our, you hear uh, that weird so. Howard Hughesy kind of like, now listen here. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, he was considered the favorite and, and Christian Bale kind of went away, which really surprised me. And I think it's because, um, you know, Vice is a, a movie about, as as the filmmakers put it, an asshole. <laughs> and um, there's something more positive about... <laughs> I was going to say something more positive about a guy dying of AIDS. No, there's something more positive <laughs> about... <laughs> I might cut that. Should I cut that? Well, they didn't. I mean, Rami Malek didn't have to act that part. Right. They so, had to act him coughing up blood and right. finding out the diagnosis. Right. But uh, not the recording uh, innuendo while lying on a table in the studio because he didn't have the strength to stand. Right. Oh wow. But um. So so I mean I mean it was a much more. Uh, I don't know. Maybe also because everyone's tired of politics, maybe. And they didn't want to think about that anymore. The thing they left behind. That was kind of my reaction to Vice, too, is I've got enough to be pissed off about right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> can we relitigate the W. Bush administration when there's someone in the White House that acts more like that or like that's right. That's an that's an alternative we have to consider. Right. But he was considered, and, and, uh, and after I finally saw um, 
um, Starsborn. I, I'm kind of shocked that by the way, by the way, I kept hearing the Oscars being talked about. Bradley Cooper was never once mentioned in any anything. It was almost like they just kind of put him in there because eh, everything else was dominated. And I thought he was terrific. I thought he was great. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, I, I re- really was was kind of blown away by him in that movie. And um, also by his they, choices to, to linger on faces, you know, when normally they would show what the person's looking at. But no, they just, just watch watch him watch. Well, now we're talking the, about the director. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm just saying. I'm Okay, moving on. Sorry. But um, well, actually, uh, but the reason I the thing that got me excited to to see a star is born, because you know, I've never seen any of the previous yeah, versions. Me neither. If I had just heard about it, I, like, well, maybe Lady Gaga would be interesting. Uh, maybe he'd do something. Uh, Bradley Cooper would do something interesting with it. But just the um, uh, the the web banner, which is just two shots, him staring out the window of the limousine. This is after he's dropped her up. Just wanted to get one more look at you. Mm-hmm. And, and like him just like staring out from the, uh, limousine in rapt earnestness, and then, the reverse shot of her like laughing. I don't think she would had. I think it's like right after she's run her finger down. Yeah, her nose. I don't think right. that was included in the ad. Um, but her just like smiling, uh, in a laughing way yeah. back at him, like that. Ho- that hooked me. Yeah, just those two shots in a in a five second web ad. <laughs> hooked me on this movie and it was Bradley Cooper. Yeah. It was, it was, um, just like everything he was giving of himself in that shot. Yeah. And, um, and like this very unflattering shot. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, he was, he was he, he, like the lack of vanity for someone who made a vehicle for himself to, to sing and play a, a rock star and, yeah, uh, and have a meteoric romance with uh, a, a huge pop star. Right, like it was not a. There was no vanity in that it, performance. It re- you know, yeah, that's what really amazed me. It really felt like it felt like he was like, "Hey, I'm going to write, direct. I don't know if he produced or not. I'm going to write, direct, and star in this movie to support her." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what it really felt like. Although the it's it, the the story is his art. The story is his, right? But hers, it's it's centered around him. But um, he, but it's almost like he, as a writer, director, actor, took the took the attitude of the character, which was, I'm in awe of you, and I'm going to do everything. This story is about me trying, you know, I'm doing everything. Plus all my complicated feelings, uh, because I am in awe of you. And it was just, yeah, it, you're, you nailed it perfectly. It was a vain, vanity-free performance from from something that should very well have reeked of it, have been stupid yeah. with it. Right. it. Right. It was like a trap waiting for him to, <laughs> yeah. to you know, to right. make it about him. Um, uh, right. Yeah, and it would have been. It could have. That movie's if you just like described the movie to me in like two sentences before you had even seen it. It's like the one liner on it, and like that movie yeah. sounds like shit. You know, yeah. like I, I had no interest in seeing it. I really yeah, don't. yeah. And then but, but yeah. what what he did with it and where he took it and um again we're talking about 
the script and, and direction. <laughs> um, I didn't give enough love for it at the screenplay. When we get to best picture, I want to talk about what I loved about the way it was written too. Okay. okay. Um, uh, yeah, but I, I, I agree. I really loved his performance. Yeah. Um, Christian Bale, I thought the script failed to. It failed him to, too. It, it failed him. It, it did fail the script and the uh, failed to plumb the depths of his character's motivation. But I never had any doubt that Christian Bale knew the motivation. Yeah. Yeah. I, you're exactly right. You're exactly but right. But I still like had no idea. It was impenetrable to me. And yeah. um, I, the movie didn't give him an arc at all. He, uh, he so. did not look lost. No. And, and no. he gave nothing that was conflicting as in terms of a performance, but the movie wouldn't let us understand maybe because, I mean, the, the movie starts with that title card that says, this is a movie about the most, you know, guarded, mysterious man ever. Uh, uh, so uh, we tried, but we've, we've tried our best. Like it starts with that kind of thing, basically to say, we don't know what's in his heart, but we've tried to piece it together. But they didn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, they didn't, and so, uh, yeah. And I, I, again, Vice was a real disappointment for me. Uh, I'll probably give it a second look to make sure to make sure that to, once I'm over the disappointment of it. But yeah, it was. A, but yeah, but I I came out of it going well. Still, Christian Bale and Amy Adams are going to get something for that. Christian Bale and Amy Amy Adams are the entire reason to see that movie. For yeah. Me my point yeah right and but tell me the, the the clip they used which is the clip for the oscar clip for christian bale which was the last the scene last the movie. monologue which i hated that i fucking hated that i was well, i wanted to ask you that because here's the thing that gets me is that tell me if this bothered you too he's an enigma of a man they keep us at arm's length right and then the monologue, they, the whole time they're saying this all exists because Dick Cheney is a, an asshole who lies and manipulates to get the things he wants because that's how he's been trained. And then they give him the opportunity to lie and manipulate us. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, but they do it in the, in the only time in the movie that he breaks the fourth wall, which would mean they're trying to either say this is from the heart, this is him, but... They give it to like he's on um, on a new show talking to the world. And so you still don't know. So so my question is, do you think that Dick Cheney truly did believe that he was protecting the citizens of the United States by uh, his actions and justifying it by saying, look, I'm, I'll do anything to protect the country, even if it makes me not seem like a nice guy? Do you think that that was his real motivation or do you think that that was his cover? And do you think that if, if you do think that, did that monologue serve as a, um, uh, as another, uh, one more thing of how much, how deep he'll manipulate you or did it come off as a confessional? I think, um, I think it's a case of motivated reasoning yeah. where he convinced himself that that's why he was doing everything he was doing. I think it was there. But it also, I mean, the way he did it, he didn't have to do it the way he did it. Mm -mm. 
and um and all the Halliburton shit. I mean, yeah, you know, like the best way you're going to tell me that the best way to run Iraq was to have private contractors like, you know, right. I don't. The, the get the the involvement of private contractors and the outsourcing of contracts to uh, like security private security companies. Um, uh, uh, what's the what was the name of the black the security company that had all these that was involved in black torturing Water. and arresting people was it Black Blackwater Water? yeah um, like there were all these like tactical decisions about how things were done. Um, the secret rendition, you know, secret prisons and stuff like you know, you had, you, you had more, uh, political capital on a global scale than our country will ever have again. Right. Totally. Right. And totally. rather than spend that constructively, it could have been spent constructively. Oh yeah. We could have had a lot of help in tackling this problem and, and keeping Completely. not just America safe, but. Uh, uh, the world, you know, keeping right, keeping free societies safer, right? Um, if that was something we tried to do, but we took an American first approach. We took a uh, uh, a capitalist driven approach. We took a um, and one that coincidentally happened to enrich a lot of people in the administration or <laughs> close to the administration. Coincidentally, Is that a coincidence, right? Like. Well, no, we know these people can do the job well, I, you know, but come on. Come on. I mean, I thought there's got to be motivated reasoning there that I, that's that's all I have to say. Right. Oh, that's great. I mean, I, I thought I kind of felt more in tune with Dick Cheney's policies in that scene in the Hurt Locker where the the the, the sniper firefight in the desert. Remember that? Where they have the uh, the where uh, Anthony Mackie and Jeremy uh, Renner are, are, are having that firefight with uh, the long range, like two mile firefight. Um, Is this in the alley? No, it's in the, the desert. It's alleyway? in the desert. But they run into Ray Fines, who's a contractor. Do you remember that? Ray Fines has a guest uh, appearance in, in it as a, like a Blackwater style contractor who's like fucked things up and is real braggadocious about everything and dies in that scene, um, but gets them involved in a firefight. Um, and for some reason, that scene told me more about Dick Ch the effect of Dick Cheney's policies than any of the, the Vice did, which is interesting because Adam McKay is a very angry and very researched person about the Bush administration and the financial situation. And it was just really surprising how much wasn't there in Vice. Um, or maybe it was just trying to cram too much in. Yeah. Know. It kind exactly. of felt guilty of look at everything I uncovered in my research rather than here's the story I found while right. <laughs> while doing my research, right? I, I I would have felt a lot better about that ending monologue that was delivered to camera if that was delivered to a reporter. And if Dick and, Cheney and had, is, had broken the fourth... Just, and, and, and not end the movie with it, like put it near the end in sequence. Yeah, and then and then and then um, and then have Dick Cheney have another fourth wall moment, but still be guarded and not um, like 
give him give him a opportunity to have a fourth wall moment and then he not take it. I think that would have been more um more powerful. But now that that's now that is a good choice. I like that. Right. To that have, tells you he's that not tells go- you more than yeah. the fourth wall moment did. Yeah. He's not going to tell you because it's he's not he's not showboating for anything. He's just going to do whatever he's going to do. And um so yeah, to me it felt the fact that they showed that at the maybe it was just because it was the only time Dick Cheney talked uh, for more than a couple of like a like a three sentence word sentence a bunch um, in the movie, but it almost seemed like because it almost made it seem by itself seem like a pro um, Bush Cheney administration movie. So it's like, hey, we can sell to the conservatives we're not just hollywood you know liberals because it's and they'll go oh maybe i'll check out that movie because it sounds pro dick cheney (laughs) it's kind of what it read to me like they were trying to maybe grab for more viewers by showing they're fair and balanced what if they had ended uh like in glorious bastards and had all the (laughs) people whose lives have been wrecked by his policies like comfort the revenge. Oh, that's pretty great. That is pretty great. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so out of all uh, the nominees, who would you have picked? What was your ra- ranking on this? I I would have picked Christian Bale because I thought he elevated the material so far. Hmm. Yeah, I, I keep I, leaning. I, I couldn't fault his performance and I thought, um, degree of difficulty was extraordinarily high. Um, I thought he was, I, I thought his performance was great. So I would have gone with Christian Bale. I think I would have too. Although Bradley Cooper is hard to turn down after seeing it just recently. Uh, I, I might have to mull it over a little bit longer, but I uh, like uh, after stars born, I started kind of leaning Bradley Cooper, but it felt like uh, maybe, I, maybe it should be, I'm, but I, I'm still staying with Christian Bale, though. Yeah. But it was a I didn't see At Eternity's Gate, so I can't I um, judge Willem Dafoe. And Viggo Mortensen. Um, it's the first time I've seen Viggo Mortensen disappear into a role. Normally, he's just Viggo Mortensen to me. <laughs> that's that's true. Even in, like, naked knife fights. Um, <laughs> Eastern Promises. I, yeah. I, still see, I still see Aragorn, right? Um, so he, you know, he managed to make me forget he was Vigo, but he did disappear into kind of a cartoon Goomba, you know, you know, I mean, you know, it, it, but there are, there are people who talk like that. I mean, completely, no, completely. I'm I'm not saying they're not. He's trying to represent one specific person and that's how that specific person was. Then, you know, um, I don't know, but I, I, I think he had a lot of he was consistent with his performance, and he had a lot of genuine moments that I really did like. Um, but you know, whatever I whatever I'd see his name listed under best actor, the part that comes up in my head is, "Hey, why are you breaking my balls? Come on, <laughs> that's that's what pops into my head." I'm like, really? But I said that he had some very affecting moments that I did really appreciate. So. I didn't. I he wasn't. Did. I didn't get chafed too much, but you know. I'll tell you what he didn't do though. What he didn't. Um, he didn't. He. I. I think 
this movie wouldn't have got so much bad attention if he had managed to represent some way the simmering racism still under the surface through the whole through the whole thing. Right, because they do the scene right? they do the scene with him throwing away the glasses that the plumbers used, right? In the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And then you kind of get a kind of appreciation for him when he takes the job because he's like, hey, I'm going to do it on my terms, but you know what? I'm working for the guy. So I'm working for, he's hiring me for protection and protection. Me. He doesn't have a problem with that. Right. He never seems to be like, I ain't going to protect this guy. Um, but then, you know, then there's the complicated things where he punches the cop after he's called a slur uh, or, or, or by association. But, you know, then you got the argument, was he, would he punch him because he slurred Dr. Shirley or would he punch him because he slurred him? You know, yeah. kind of thing. Which made for a nice conflict. By the way, I'm sorry. I got uh, back to the screenplay on Green Book. Um, if he had a gun all that time, wouldn't the cops, wouldn't that have come out when they got arrested? Wouldn't Doctor Shirley have found out that when he got it, when they all got arrested, that he had a gun on him? Good point. Unless he's experienced enough that he can gets it as soon as the lights come on, he stashes yeah. it. He puts you know? it in his prison wallet. So he had his gun up his butt the whole time, basically, is what we're trying to say. Maybe that's it. <laughs> um, uh, I'll, 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 I'm, I want to return to yeah. uh, the things we'll, you're saying when we we'll get to Best to Picture. Okay. Um, but as for his his acting choices, um, yeah, he he didn't. He, it's it's like he forgot he was racist. It's not like he yeah, was transformed right. so much as he forgot, um, which is a right. a fault of, of the performance, I think. And the moment I I didn't buy most in the entire movie is he's writing a letter to his wife, mm -hmm. and, uh, uh. Mahershala, with the uh, Mahershala Ali, oh, Doctor Shirley. Yeah, I can't remember the character's name. Don Shirley um, grabs the letter away from him to look at it, and he's not like he doesn't even flinch. Right, he's not even pissed off. It's like, that, hey, this is my yeah. That this is a private letter. This guy's trying to tell me what to say. You know, he's that, condescending to me, and he snatches it out of my hand. That bothered me. And too. like, he doesn't even get pissed off a little bit, and even try to hide it. Like, if you did that Actually, to me, I'd be pissed off, you know? You know, if anybody did that, I would be annoyed, right? Right. It'd be like, this is private. This is, this is you know. Yeah. And so that the same guy who would throw the glasses away would be fine with with that moment, that yeah. I didn't buy that at all. Right. Because that's reaching he into your heart. He had to give heart. me, even if it's written that way and it's directed that way, like you've been told to, to do it that way, I think you still have to make me believe that oh, moment yeah. as a performer, right? Absolutely. So now did you have any So I dock points. I dock points to Vigo. Yeah, me too. So we both we both agree Christian Bale would be our pick for that. Now did you have anybody that you'd like to wish had been nominated for best actor? I didn't uh, give that any thought. I should have. Mm. I have many. <laughs> would you like to hear mine? Yes, please. I will. I'll go through them quickly. Um, I couldn't pin it to five. I try, but I couldn't, even with my runners up. So I have eight <laughs> for nominations. I have uh, Christian Bale for Vice, Steve Coogan for Ideal Home, Bradley Cooper for Stars Born, 
Chiwetel Ejiofor for Come Sunday, which probably wouldn't be eligible because I think it was only a Netflix movie and not in theaters. Never on Sunday. Never on Sunday, Wade. <laughs> uh, Ethan Hawke for First Reformed. Uh, ben Foster for Leave No Trace. That was crazy. Although you probably could put him in Best Supporting, really, because the daughter is the lead. Uh, Paul Rudd for Ideal Home. And Jeffrey Rush for Final Portrait. Um, those were, I'm not, I think Jeffrey Rush is usually a, a person that people nominate because he was nominated before. Oh, he's a great actor. We'll nominate him. But final portrait is he's, he's what he does with that role is pretty incredible. So I would, uh, I would say that. And then I had runners up of John Krasinski, Stephen James, Ike Barinholtz for The Oath, Chris O'Dowd for Love After Love, Ryan Reynolds for Deadpool 2, John David Washington for Black Klansman, and Josh Brolin for Infinity War. But uh, those are runners-up. Those are runners-up. Tom, okay, tell me about John David Washington for Black Klansman, because he didn't give me a lot in that performance. That's why he's a runners-up. He didn't give me a whole lot either. Well, so why is he, why is he, why is he a runner-up? Why is he listed? Yeah... This isn't a list of every actor. No, it's not. In a lead role you saw this I, year. I, I don't. I can't tell you. I, I don't know. I I felt. I felt like it was an omission if I didn't. Like something in my heart said, "No, nah, he needs to be there." I don't know why. Because okay. yeah, he, he 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 he. I don't think he did a disservice to the role. No, I don't think so. No, I thought, no, I thought he was good. But right. I didn't. Um, I mean, it was fine. I, I enjoyed his performance. He was funny when he needed to be funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I just never felt like I really understood who that character was. Which yeah. is no, that's I, true. again, that's that's why I, um, that's why the script. Uh, I think my top I think maybe he's there because there's some moments that he has, where. Uh, and we'll get to this in Best Actress, but like moments, I think this year marked, um, this every year has these, this is not like a, a trend, but there were so many wonderful thing, uh, uh, so many wonderful movies that relied heavily on um, people not saying or doing anything and we knowing exactly what's going on in their head. Like directors really allowed that to happen. And I think Star is Born yeah, is a great example. It's a great of example that. of that. So is the wife, so is the favorite. And um uh I think I think uh the movie I think John David Washington had some of that stuff going on and the movie didn't really focus on it, but I could tell uh, in some wide shots in particular uh or through wide wider shots where he's um forced to not to not engage and um like when like, like when the co- when he's working in evidence and the cops come down um and and are, are just really awful to him but he's still got to do his job he can't re- he doesn't yeah. he doesn't want to retaliate not that he can't he doesn't want to retaliate yeah. and you know there th- th- those scenes of him it, it was it was the evidence room. The scenes evidence, of the room. evidence room. Yeah, the scenes yeah. of the evidence room. I think are, are, are what I remember his performance for the most, because he's like, there are things I really want to say. There are things I need to say. Things that need to be said. There are also benefits to not saying them, which is kind of wrong, 
but I can't show it, but I don't want to not show it. <laughs> no, he, no, you're right. So, he, yeah. he played that balance very well. That's, so, yeah. You're right. That's, that's so, a good. So that's what I, I don't think, I, I think probably just by the nature of being black, that was just, that's just, it's, it's maybe not necessarily remarkable or notable because that's just what that experience is. Maybe. And so it wasn't really dwelled on by the film, but I think he was doing that very well. So um, that's why he's there. Um, But I would also just really quickly want to point out, um, oh, and I would give the, if of of those eight uh, people, I would give the award to uh, Ethan Hawke for First Reformed. I keep hearing uh, I need to see that movie. Yeah. Um, There's a little comedy that I'm not even sure was in theaters. It may have, I probably may have been in theaters, but I just saw it direct to video called Ideal Home with Paul Rudd and Steve Coogan. And Carrie and I were both pretty, I mean, this, this is a, a little comedy about a, a, um, a, a, a gay couple who uh, work on a TV show, uh, like a Rachel Ray type TV show where Steve Coogan's like the Rachel Ray and Paul Rudd's the producer and they're a couple. And they find out that, um, Steve Coogan's son he had a long time ago uh, during his experimental phase <laughs> um, had a hat. He, he has a grandson and the grandson shows up at his door one day when his father's arrested. And so, um, uh, and it's just how that enters their lives and what that does to them as a couple. And it's, it's a comedy. It's a broad ish, but the fact that, that Steve Coogan and Paul Rudd play this couple that are they walk an incredibly fine line of being real and realistic and empathetic and uh, and thing and being of this more flamboyant nature. It never falls into caricature. It never falls into um, um, parody or, uh, or, or 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 denigration or even unintentional denigration. You know. It's it's like, it, 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 I don't know. It, it was a real marvel to see this kind of comedy of these two guys uh, be rather outsized flamboyant personalities, but yet it's still being very, very, very real and lovely. And so I, I put them both in there because the, it was really impressive to me. So check Sounds it like out. the birdcage. Check it out. Oh, way better than the birdcage. Yeah. Uh, the poster for Ideal Home says, these dads suck. Yeah, it's not good. Are they referring <laughs> to cock? I presume. Because they don't suck, really. As parents. They're often drunk. You can, you can but, suck pussy, you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. Poster designers. <laughs> Maybe you can show them sometime. Um, oh, by the way, anatomy. just just real and quick, my marital status. Before I, I think we went on. We went. <laughs> we went on. We I went through my ch- uh, selections for best supporting actor before, but I didn't do best supporting actress. So let me run through. Well, real, let's hear them real quickly. My, I'll probably trap this in later. You run so, through them while I get a cough drop, and then I'll be surprised when. Uh, did you uh, did you have a did you have anybody you wished had been uh, nominated? For no, I only have one to say, and I'll, I'll make it's sure to say one. It. Okay, you go get your cough drop. So, um, 
for, so for best supporting actress, um, if 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 it were up to me, <laughs> I would. Uh, I, uh, here's the five people that I would have nominated for best actress. That would be Amy Adams for Vice. Um, hopefully, I get the name right. I'll, I'll probably butcher some names here, but it's um, Amy Adams for Vice. Did I get that right? <laughs> um, Cynthia Erivo for Bad Times at the El Royale. Um, Tanoya Paris for If Beale Street Could Talk. She plays uh, Kiki Lane's sister. I thought she was. I thought she was great. So I, you know, I thought she was just. She really, she really captured me in that movie. Shioli, Shioli Katsuna for Oh Lucy. Oh, it's a great movie. You should check it out. And then um, the one I'd give it to. What well, would be uh, Condola Rashad for Come Sunday? There is, she plays uh, Chiwetelia Tafur's wife in Come Sunday, which probably is a bit of cheat because it's a Netflix film. I don't know if it was in theaters or not. Um, but her expressions in that are perfect for the wife receiving criticism of her husband and, and, and insults about her when she has to keep face uh, as the as the warm welcoming face for the church, but also is not going to back away from um, the nerve you have to call me to say that to me. Um, the position she's in and her reactions to those things are just are are so wonderful. I, I wish I actually wish she'd been in the movie more. Um, I think the the scripts could have really had more of her in there. But uh, yeah, she was pretty great. I mean, that's who I would give it to. And that's who I would give it to. Wow, you were still going when I came back. I was done. I'm going to drop that in earlier, so you'll have to just find that out. Okay. I look forward to learning your opinion, as always. And runners-up are Regina King from Appeal Super Talk, Elizabeth Olsen for Affinity War, Sally Hawkins for Paddington 2, Sissy Spacek for Old Man and the Gun, Millicent Simmons for A Quiet Place, and Carrie Brownstein for The Oath. But that's, that's the runners-up. You bullshitter! I was done, no, and then, I, then and then I realized it would be funny if I kept going. <laughs> Next up, the Green Book clips introduced by Congressman the Honorable. Did you say Honorable? No, that's judges. Yeah, it's judges. The venerable Congressman John Lewis. And I mean, he's John Lewis. Silver tinsel. <laughs> I I had to look up who she was. Uh, she's an actress. She? she was in, uh, but I've forgotten. <laughs> she's uh, she's an actress who starred in The Hate You Give, and I think she was on some other, uh, I don't know, maybe TV show. Oh right, she's like she's a writer too, right? Is she? No, I look. I remember looking her up too, and now I can't remember. Maybe I think of someone else from The Hate You Give, because the writer of Hate You Give, oh, she was in In Memoriam. The writer was? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, the, the person in the tinsel, her name is uh, uh, Amanda Stenberg. She was she in the plays Hunger Rue Games. in the Hunger Games. Yeah. I wonder if she rude her performance. <laughs> well, uh, Seymour rude her choice of outfit. She was scandalized <laughs> at her lack of modesty. When appearing beside John Lewis, that's always been a, a weird thing at the Oscars when the one person's trying to create this big statement, but they're staying next to a real dignified legend. 
<laughs> it's it's I'm always I'm right. always embarrassed for both of them. <laughs> You've got uh Silver Rights uh legend <laughs> and then you have um my outfit is supposed to make you think you're gonna see my nipples between <laughs> exactly. these strands of thread. And um, make also wonder, wait, are you old enough to wear that? <laughs> <laughs> so should I not I really am not comfortable with any of this <laughs> have you read March the, the March, three volume I, graphic I've, novel I bought them I don't I haven't gotten to them yet but oh, I bought God. them I bought them on uh, uh, on comiXology so I, I keep not, my Kindle just sits there <laughs> you gotta read it um, yeah, the sequence where they're preparing for the lunch counter sit in mm -hmm. and um, where they're, they're training for the kind of shit that they're going to have to take by doing it to each other. Oh, wow. that's, that's, that's my favorite. Um, Part of me, very, it's the, the, the people, the, the fact that these people knew what they were going to go through and still went through it. And like the way they, uh, uh, girded themselves, you know, mm. um, that's, that's courage. I well, it's courage I haven't demonstrated yet. Right. So I, I can't say I have it. Uh, you tell me. A part of my mind had, had said, well, maybe I'll when my son gets older. Uh, when my son is older, this might be something I want want to read with him. What do you think about that? You wouldn't want to read it aloud. <laughs> right. I mean, maybe read at the same time. Oh, okay. I mean, reading together so we can discuss it and stuff. Yeah. I mean, you can read it in advance. In too. advance, yeah. I mean, I was, as I said, I will, well, you know, you probably want to check it out. If that's what you're concerned about. Uh, but I have to it's find, a quick... I'd have to find, you know, the right age that I think would, would be the right thing for him to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now they ran the Green Book clips, and if I'm not mistaken, this is the only one where the only clips reel of the night, montage of the night, that was literally just the trailer. This okay. one this one was the trailer that was just put up, which I honestly is probably smart. The thirty second thirty second trailer. Yeah. Um Yeah. So John Lewis uh says Green Book is good. So if you get a problem with it, you're racist. <laughs> I'm no, sure that was that. appreciated. <laughs> I don't, I don't, that's not my, that's not my point of view on it. Um, okay. When we get to when best get to picture, that. like the, the, I, I hunted around, I'll just say this much here. When I hunted around for, uh, the article that like matched my reaction to it. Um, the, the one I found that kind of expressed the way I read it, the way I watched it was, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's column in Hollywood Reporter. I read that too. Um, and I'm like, okay, phew, there's a serious, yeah. there's a serious thinker who is, a, is has a civil rights uh, engaged history uh, and also is, is black. That doesn't hurt um, to make me feel <laughs> not like, make me feel like I'm not an asshole because I'm like, because when I came yeah, home from like seeing it and I told Seymour, like, she was like, so what'd you think of Green Book? Because I didn't think I was gonna like it at all. She's like, so what'd you think of Green Book? Like, I don't like, kind of liked it. And she's like, what? She's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, <laughs> I I don't know what. Uh... Okay, I'll give you my reasons later. Yeah. 
Now, having said that, just I'll just throw this out too. I read that same article when it came out, and um, I did appreciate that article quite a bit. Um, after the Oscars, though, I read this article uh, sent to me, or I, a friend of mine had, had sent to me uh, from Shadow and Act about how. Okay. Great... Yes. You read that yep, one too. I read that too. Yeah. Okay. So, so that that did change. But not my... written by someone with a history of civil rights engagement. That is that, true. that I know of. That so is true. I'm going to table that for a more germane section of the podcast. Oh, yeah, exactly. We'll go to that second. Okay. That's funny that we both read the same two articles. That's the only two out there, I guess. <laughs> I didn't say I only read two. Oh, all right. I, I probably did. I just can't remember. Those are the two that stick out. I did see a lot of YouTube videos of people watching the Oscars and say when they call Green Book, yelling, what the fuck, and falling over in their chairs. <laughs> I'm like, it's not, I mean, I was surprised, but, you know, this is, I didn't think it was a, at the time, I was like, I didn't think it was a lobby against. It is weird to be about, a, to like, like for a movie that is supposed to be about love and acceptance of everybody, regardless of color, to be like, well, the racist movie one, <laughs> but you know, we'll get into that in a bit. Um, so okay, next we, up, next up, Francis McDormand and Sam Rockwell looking like our mutual friend, Joel Watson. <laughs> That's right. I kept every time they showed him, I'm like, what's Joel doing there? <laughs> like, oh, it's Sam. Joel does have an Emmy. So it's for not... uh shark cage, shark, shark cage. Game? Yes. You go in the shark cage. You go in the shark. Is that cage what it's in called? The water. No shark tank. <laughs> shark tank. Tank goes yeah. in the water, sharks in the water. Tiny shop of four. I couldn't see. I got your <laughs> mom's wrong title wrong. There so. you go. You gotta save the sinking ship. <laughs> All right. So uh, they come out. Fra Francis McDormand walks up to the mic. Sam Rockwell says, Francis, anything you want to say? And she goes, mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> you she don't want it out of her system. We don't want any more Breitbart articles. <laughs> Was there? I never looked. Oh, I, I don't know. I'm sure there were, but I didn't. Uh, I I didn't. I didn't want to. So then, uh, so best actress comes out now. Uh, best actress nominees for your refreshing your memory from a week ago. Um, or longer. Elitza, oh boy, Elitza Aparicio for Roma, Glenn Close for The Wife, Olivia Coleman for The Favorite, Lady Gaga for A Star Is Born. Melissa McCarthy, can you ever forgive me? Uh, how many um, of those did you see? I saw all these except the wife. <laughs> I get enough of that at home. <laughs> Hashtag me too. Um, we uh, so yeah, I saw all, all of them. Um, who 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 would you? What would have been your pick? I. I couldn't decide on this category. This was a um, really tough one. Uh, putting, putting, um, uh, what's her name from uh, the favorite in here, Emma Stone, because I yeah. considered that a lead role. I mean, I would have put Olivia Coleman in the best supporting actress. Yeah, category. I would have too. She's all over the movie, but I thought it was a supporting role. Um, and so swapping those two, gosh, I mean. I probably would have picked Melissa McCarthy for um, just for it being the surprise role. 
That was hard though. Yalitza, I don't I have no idea if I'm saying that correctly. Like her performance was all nuance. Yeah. Um, it was nothing but nuance. Um, and it was a heartbreaking role. She was great. Um, Lady Gaga. I, I, Lady Gaga was like electric on the screen. She was like completely captivated me mm. and like just watching her <laughs> stare at <laughs> Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Um, uh, and again, um, uh, a, a, a role uh, or a performance uh, uh, surprisingly without vanity. Like that movie could have yeah. sucked so hard. Yeah, right. It really. Could. And, um, and I she thought it was, was certain to, and she and, and she would have been blamed for it. Yeah, and you know, and she was in the best position to torpedo that movie, right? Right. And she was um, the her very her very placement in the movie would uh, allowed other people to torpedo the movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? But just like she, yeah. you know, all she had to do was. I mean, when the transformation happens to Allie, the 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 pop star, right? Yeah. Like that could have like just been a caricature of Lady Gaga, right. or she, you know, um, or her trying to tell everybody why Lady Gaga is better than these other pop pretty people. You know? Yeah, it could have been making fun of Allie at that moment. Right. It could have been it could have been like somehow trying to comment on her career or like put some distance or make like make a winking <laughs> nod to it. But it was like felt like uh it felt like a commitment to creating an entirely new Yeah. How did character, neither you know? how did ne- neither neither of these actors uh Seb, how how did neither of these actors casting in this movie ruin the movie? How did they not make it about themselves? How did it not feel vain? It's a mirror. It really is astounding. <laughs> but I still probably put Lady Gaga at the bottom of this category. I, I would too. I, I think I loved the performance. I loved her in it. But I, I just thought there wasn't... Um, there wasn't, and this is, and this is like the, the biggest flaw in the movie that there just wasn't enough depth to that character. Um, it's too much Jackson Maine's movie and not enough Allie's movie for me. Yeah. Um, and so she didn't have, uh, uh, the same material to work with. So I don't fault her performance for that. No, it's just no, there no, wasn't no. enough there to, to, to right. reward. Um, Gosh, I might give it to Emma Stone. I thought Emma Stone was fantastic. Yeah, I thought she was really amazing. Well, again, all three of them. If you could just give all three of them statuettes, Rachel Weiss, Emma Stone, Olivia Coleman, give them just give them all. Just say you guys were the great. You guys yeah. were great. <laughs> Emma Stone did the most with her. She had to do the most. It was the highest degree of difficulty and she Yeah. And she she I I thought I thought she was amazing on the screen. Like she, every everything demanded of her by that script, in a very challenging role. I thought she delivered in spades. Yeah, so I, that, I give it to Emma Stone in the lead. It's it's, I mean it's it's way more challenging to have, the I mean just on the just alone thinking about the fact that she had a, a, a past of being abused, and then her power that she uses to 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 
the, the, the confidence and the power that she has over the men that are, it's just amazing. I mean, I mean, she, she very complicated role and, and she knocked it out yeah. of the park. That like, you know, and I mean, I praised Elisa for her nuance. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go no, ahead. no, no, you, no, go ahead. You go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I praised Elisa for her, her, her nuance. Um, but Emma has to show that nuance while she has to like show her strength while she's showing her vulnerability. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Like I just, it's hard to imagine anybody doing that role better than Emma Stone did it. Like there's gotta right. be very few people in the world who can, who could have pulled that off as well as she did. Anyone who thinks that La La Land's win was just, or was just like, Oh, Emma Stone, they're just all wrapped up in the Hollywood glitz and glitz. She's pretty and she can't even dance that well or well, blah, blah, blah. You know, I think the favorite eradicates that that feeling no she's yeah. really freaking amazing and i couldn't i complained in la la land about how i couldn't yeah. tell if she was supposed to be a good actress or a bad <laughs> actress like in in the world and we had a big fight movie. about not a fight but we had a thing about that yeah we, we had a disagreement about yeah. that but in in the favorite um you know she, there's she she did what i thought that she should have done in, or what she needed to do in that scene like she convinced me when she's doing the acting like a monster thing, yeah. I think it's I think it's like a at first you think it's supposed to be someone like making a faux pas, right? And then you realize later, no, that was like her master stroke. Right. It really to, was was to put herself in that position. You know, now I I look yeah, at the end of that movie, I'm like she smeared the mud in her face on purpose. That she didn't. <laughs> she didn't actually land in the mud. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, she landed in the mud, but she, her face didn't go in the mud. She put that on she, there. Yeah. Yeah, she was like, "Oh, I'm gonna walk in looking like this, and then they'll never see, they'll never suspect me of, of, of my, what I'm trying to do." Yeah. And was, I thought I I loved yeah. Emma Stone. Me too. It was it was tough tough decision, uh, really. The um, for me, uh, uh, again, all three of them, all all five of them are great. Um, uh, Glenn Glenn Close, I I expected to be the one who won. Um, the 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 movie The Wife is there's nothing wrong with it. It's good, but really the only reason to see it is to see Glenn Close perform, really. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, everyone. Uh, Jonathan Price is very good in it. It's got a, a, a an interesting um, uh, dynamic of a, of a, the family that needs to be explored. That's for sure. But beyond that, uh, there's not. I you know really you just you're sinking closest performance. And there, there's a but there's a what made complicated what com. So, so I think she has the the of all the roles, she's got the worst, the the lesser material to deal with, not the worst. It's still good, but her movie is um, not on the same level as all the other movies. Okay. Okay. Um. But her Oscar clip is actually the last moment of the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, that's like the last moment. Um, I, there might be one more moment of her sitting there reading. I don't remember, but like that is the last moment of the movie. But the the part of the movie that I will never forget is literally happens a second before the Oscar clip starts. 
Uh, she's on the plane. She's driving, going home. Um, uh, and her and uh, it's just, it's the same shot. The shot doesn't change. It's one take of just her sitting there on the plane. Her son is next to her. Um, a flight attendant walks by, says something, and then says that uh, Christian Slater would like to talk to you, and if you want. And then Christian Slater comes out and sits down, and then they have the scene you saw. Um, and then, uh, uh, but before that, she's sitting there, and the flight attendant comes by, and you, you never see the flight attendant's face; you just see her her waist. And she said, uh, I waited on you on the flight over. And I just wanted to say I'm sorry about your husband, the loss of your husband. And um, spoiler alert. And um, uh, I just want to say I've seen a lot of couples on this plane. And I knew that you two just had a wonderful relationship and a wonderful life together. And I just wanted to let you know. We thought you knew you had a wonderful relationship. And Glenn Close is, is like her head's bowed and she's. Um, listening, and she t- and then she kind of stops when she hears that. And the moment, the extraordinary moment is, she's a. You look like she's about just to to seep in the irony of all of that because the whole movie told us before that there was a problem, and she went, and you thought she's going to say thank you and eat it right, but she goes, how. And she doesn't look up. She's still looking at the ground. And she just goes, how? And like, and the way that she says it, I have not seen a better example of of the character on screen thinking something and then it come out her mouth with before she decided to say it. You know? It was like... Like the words came because the character is making a performance choice. Well, well, no, 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 not even that. that. No, no, I mean, I mean that like usually as an actor, you sit there and you go, okay, the line I'm going to say is this. So I now have to conjure a emotional situation that would be the impetus for me to say what I'm going to say, or emotional uh, an impetus, or 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 a subterfuge or something. I'm I got to create that kind of conflict in me. So I'll then justify what I'm going to say and make or make what I say real or true. And this was literally like she had the thought and then she as a person, as an actor, it just had to come out because of the thought. Which was which was like where she was just like just sitting there thinking, which is just good acting. I mean, that's just all it is. But like. It, it was it, it, it left an indelible mark on me in her mind. You could just see her in her mind. She went. Wow, she doesn't really know. Well, how could she know that? What, what, what was it about us that made her think that when it was that got that she got that so wrong? And just and but and while she's thinking that, her face goes how, <laughs> <laughs> and like it's and it was it was this this beautiful moment. Um, having said that, Olivia Coleman, there's a shot of her in the favorite that I'll never forget either. And if even if even if the her only part in the movie was that shot, she should get the Oscar. And it's the shot where she's in the chair and they wheel her into the dance and they're doing that kind of break dancey scene where Rachel Vice is twirling. Yeah, and at, at first she's it's just a shot. Her face fills the screen, and at first she's just happy to be watching dancing. 
And with no change to her face, you see everything she's thinking, the change of it going from, this is nice. I wish I could do that. I'm not doing that. She's doing that. Wasn't that sad? I'll stop dancing! <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, as, as... And still chewing on the conversation she had with... with uh, old powdered wig with old powdered wig back there exactly and it and, and it, well actually it all just kind of come and i'm like that was hands down one of the most amazing things i've seen all year um okay. and I'll, let's just say i'm a huge olivia uh, i'm not just trying to say i knew her before she was cool no i'm a huge olivia coleman fan from everything from everything i've seen that she's done i haven't seen everything i haven't seen broad church or anything but like mitchell and webb look was the first thing that i just really saw her in that took real big note. Of course, she's in like Hot Fuzz and The Lobster and, and London Road. She's amazing in London Road. Um, and she's, she's all, so, so, so I was literally so. It was a standout in The Lobster. Yeah. I was, let's just say I was so happy that she was nominated because I, I, I was so fond of her. It was like, it was like, it was like having a friend nominated, you know. I was like so happy for her. It's like, yeah, that's so great, <laughs> you know. And because um, uh, I thought she was so talented and so wonderful, I was just so happy. I was gunning for Melissa McCarthy, though. I was rooting yeah. for Melissa McCarthy because I do think, um, and hopefully she'll have another opportunity or a desire to do another role like that. That is that complex and. Wonderful, because honestly, Melissa McCarthy's performance in that movie is one of my favorite performances I've seen. And I especially, I'm so happy coming from a place where Melissa McCarthy's doing, producing her own projects, and we're like, this is great. Now she can do more nuanced stuff, and then the stuff she's doing is actually worse, just more repetitive of the stuff that, that, that other people were having her do. And I, I was really disappointed with, uh, like, Tammy and... Um, Life of the Party and stuff like that. And then to see this, where she more aptly conveys the idea that of someone who turns their fear and insecurity into rage and, 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 and obscenities and profanity thrown at everyone around them to keep them away. Um, and, not, and have that vulnerability be likable. Um, and the and the vitriol be unlikable because normally Miss McCarthy's vitriol is ecstatically wonderful. Like we all want to see her yeah. get mad and call people names. In this movie, yeah, her it, getting mad is like her um, shtick. It's, yeah, it's like Steve Odenkirk getting mad. It's just always funny. Bob yeah. Odenkirk getting mad, right? You want to say that again? Uh, God <laughs> damn it, Laquan Odenkirk. <laughs> um. But yeah, so, so you'd think it'd be like, hey, they've cast her to do this because that's her thing and it's gonna it's going to lessen the material now because she's doing her shtick. But no, Melissa McCarthy's way smarter than that. And and um at this point, her shtick was the one thing that was unpleasant because it was supposed to be unpleasant. And it was her vulnerability that really really hooks you in. And uh that was the performance of the year, but I, the moment Olivia Coleman won the Oscar, I completely forgot about my disappointment and was just so <laughs> thrilled for her. I, that was a big surprise. I didn't expect her to win. Olivia Coleman was great in the favorite, and uh, and that that character could have been 
so easily so like so annoying and intolerable that you couldn't bear right. to watch the movie right yeah and uh and she never turned it into complete caricature even though no. the, like the character seems like a caricature like when um, she does her own makeup and it's just like you look like a badger i mean this whole thing could have been very <laughs> very broad and it and she see okay so her speech I, i'm gonna jump to her speech if i may for just a second sure first of all can olivia coleman give all oscar speeches from now on <laughs> that was that's what, how you, that's how to do it that's from how the heart. It. she she uh, she was surpri- surprised even if you're not <laughs> and she was i think she was surprised i know and, i think she was but like if everyone should do it the way olivia did it then you have to act yeah. surprised but here's here's she was she was nervous and terrified and overwhelmed and genuine but despite all that it she I, I think she proved to the world that she has an innate and subconscious almost uh, brilliant comic timing. Because if you watch the speech a couple of times, and I did, she is, um, there are times where she, you know, things, she's so flustered and, 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 and jittery that um, she kind of steps over her, what she's saying, but her hands do like Chaplin, Keaton, Harold Lloyd, like like her comic timing with her hands is is it's like it's it's operating without her, you know she's doing it. Like pointing. I was to waiting it. for you to say Oliver Hardy. Or Oliver Hardy, right? I'm sorry. Yeah. So she's like, mm, he's got the funniest hands. Ever. He does have I'm the sorry. funniest hands. And and then when when she gets an idea. Like when she said, "Oh, my kids are watching. My kids are watching." I mean, and then and then she went and then she had an idea of what would be funny, and her entire continence went boop. I gotta serve this joke now, and she went. She went. Oh well, if they're not watching, then I guess you know, well done. <laughs> <laughs> she was funny and charming, and um, I was so thrilled for her. Uh, <laughs> although he's so with lady when they had all the the five people pictures up. I was disappointed because at first, uh, uh, first time I saw the clip, Miss Little McCarthy did look like she was really kind of pissed, and and, Car- and a little really disappointed. But when I looked at it again, she did have some admiration. I was, I was happy. But when they announced Livia Coleman, Lady Gaga goes, "Oh, w- wow!" <laughs> <laughs> so I think she was expecting it. I think I don't know, but she was. Or like, maybe she was just expecting Glenn Close. close. To get Everyone was expecting out. Glenn Close because yeah. it's Glenn Close, and so like, um, and she put in a killer performance in that. But like, I, I was just so, I, I was thrilled with for her. Yeah, I'm sad for Melissa McCarthy, but uh, I'm just so thrilled for I, I did nothing but joy and happy after that. I am too. It's not her fault that she gave my third favorite performance in The Favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she should have been in, in Best Supporting and won Best Supporting. Yeah, yeah, that would have been great. That would Although been... I would have picked Rachel Weiss over her. But so. <laughs> How about a tie? So not nominated mm. was my favorite performance of 2018. And that was Charlize Theron in Tully. I, oh, I really want to see Tully. I have it. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, uh, yeah. You should see Tully. It's it's not the greatest movie, <laughs> but she's so great in it. Yeah. Um, and it's a very good movie. I liked it a lot. Um, uh, but if you want a little glimpse, 
into the the sense of humor that made Sigmund Lamar fall in love with Seymour, <laughs> Charlize Theron, and Tully. Uh, so credit uh, Diablo Cody for the part, but then Char- Charlize's performance. I, I loved her yeah. in that movie. She was fantastic in Young Adult as well. I still have to see that. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 has a pretty killer ending, which we should talk about at some point. Um, I'm still fascinated by that ending. Plus, you get no, I'm, I don't want. I'm not going to blow the movie. Um, yeah, I, that's a that's I I can't wait to see that. Um, I had a few. I had a lot. Um, I had for for best actress for me. I had. Uh, I had Olivia Coleman, Emma Stone, and Rachel Weisz. I should have put them in other categories, but I, I don't know why I put them all here, but I did. Um, I, uh, Regina Hall for Support the Girls. That's a great movie. And Regina Hall's performance in that is, is akin to um, Maya Rudolph's in The Way We Go in the sense that it's not a flashy performance. It probably someone could not pay attention and not see everything they're doing, um, but it's 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 top notch. Um, uh, we keep talking about a way we go so much. We have to do an episode. We on should it. do an episode on that. Elsie uh, uh, Fisher in eighth grade. I think she should have been nominated. I think everything about that movie should have been nominated. Um, Carrie Mulligan in Wildlife. Uh, the movie's not bad, but it's not on par with everything else. But she. Um, really that that's consummate acting it's it's top notch she's amazing in that um the big and then um i'm gonna get to i'm gonna butcher this name shinobu terajima uh for this movie oh lucy i highly recommend everyone see oh lucy it's streaming on hulu uh and you can buy it everywhere else um Oh, Lucy is um, is is a wonderful movie that you never know where it's going, and it's it's anchored by a great performance by um, uh, the Shinobu. Um, incredibly directed, incredibly acted, incredibly written. Check it out. It's a 2017 film. It's actually 20. Well, for here, it's made 2018. It's, made its American debut in 2018. So yeah. very good. A lot of foreign films do. And then finally, the um, the surprise to me, the big uh, that wasn't nominated, and really kind of astounding that there was it is Tony Collette for Hereditary. I got a lot of uh, Hereditary wins my what I call the Drive Award for the Ryan Gosling movie Drive. I have, I have this award called the Drive Award, which was the movie that that when I start watching it, I'm like, this movie is made for me. There is, I, someone has entered my head and my soul and this is amazing. And then about three quarters of the way through the movie, something happens that I can't even recommend it to people. (laughs) (laughs) Where it's just like, you lost me. Albert Brooks does a bad thing that you don't approve of. (laughs) Exactly. Well, he's a bad guy. He's funny. No, Albert Brooks is amazing in Drive. Um, But like something happened where just the movie itself just goes, just goes off the rails or makes a choice that's just like I can't handle. And Hereditary is, I wouldn't say a movie made for me because uh, I did have some stylistic issues with it in the beginning, but it is 
a consummate work of tension and and gut wrenching. Um, it, it's uh, 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 just um, trauma. And then at the end, it, it totally betrays. Uh, and they all, a lot of people say, "Oh, if you don't like the ending, then you really don't get what it's doing." Fuck you. The movie just dropped its main character, Tony Collette. Didn't give a shit about her and started talking about something went off in this whole other area about something we didn't there's one no way we could have known and two it's so esoteric that who gives a shit and i was really angered by it it, it bothered me for a long time but that notwithstanding tony collette is her 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 work in that is should be awarded so she and ethan hawk really got Got boned, I think this uh, this hol- this holiday season, this Oscar season. Oh, good for them! That sounds wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to see their kid. And also, runners up: Emily Blunt for Quiet Place, Glenn Close for The Wife, Olivia Cook for Thoroughbreds, Dominic Fishback for Night Comes On. Check out Night Comes On. I think it's on Amazon and Canopy. Comes on what? Tits, face? No. Oh, I knew you were going to say belly. that. Oh. I can't even joke about that because I don't understand that at all. <laughs> Lady Gaga for uh, the appeal of, it. The appeal uh, yeah, of that with, for anyone I'm with you there. I think I, I would rather it just uh, turned into vapor. Yeah, honestly. just blue. <laughs> yeah, sex and no cleanup. Can life I wish, get? I wish my I wish my cum was Dracula. <laughs> Your cum was like a vampire that comes up. I could oh. turn into fog. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see. But then so, it could also like assume the form of a bat or a wolf at need. <laughs> can uh, to paraphrase Brian Regan, sex and no cleanup. Can life get better? I submit that it cannot. So. <laughs> <laughs> Is that about peanut butter and It's about bananas? peanut butter no, peanut butter and jelly in the same jar. And then why don't you just throw croutons in there and get a whole sandwich on a spoon? Better yet, just put it in a squeeze bottle. Lunch and no cleanup. Can life get better? I submit that it cannot. Um, it's funny. And then the latest I've ever laughed in my life was at a Brian Regan. Show. Oh yeah, I think Brian Regan and uh, and uh, Norm Macdonald were the two things I I can't. I thought I was going to die. I like blacked out. Second hardest I've ever laughed in my life. First date with Seymour. I yeah I remember I remember that I remember when you worked there. No, but you emailed me or called me. No, you emailed me right afterwards and you said, I just laughed harder than I've ever have in my life. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally taken by this girl. I remember that. I remember that distinctly. Oh, and that was after the Brian Regan. So. Oh, okay. So maybe. I maybe. should switch my rankings. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably might be a good idea. Flash it up. Uh, still runners up Lady Gaga stars born Kiki Lane for his Beale Street could talk Thomason McKenzie for no leave no trace and Rachel Vice for the favorite but wait why is Rachel Vice in the runners up that's no that's not right let me fix that right now retcon all right <clears throat> okay that's like the Brian oh. Regan of never mind yeah. wait also wait I just want to give a little shout out to to some less, some other people who've gone unrecognized for their work. Uh, I think Jamie Lee Curtis and Halloween did some really amazing work there. So kudos to her. Annie McDowell 
turned in a really soulful performance, a complicated performance in Love After Love. Worth a look. Uh, Matilda Lutz in Revenge pulls off something that not a lot of people, that it's probably could be written off, but she pulls it off. And then uh, Masami Nagasawa, ah, shoot. Masami Nagasawa in Before We Vanish. Before We Vanish is a very interesting comedian alien invasion movie. Check it out. I will. Um, well, I probably won't, but <laughs> you should. It doesn't mean I don't want to. It's just I know. You know. I, I I have a lot of those. Okay. And then let's see. We're back. Which oh, note am I? You know what? What? I never said anything about Rami Malek's performance of Bohemian Rhapsody. Can I just drop one note here? Sure. Um, someone said it better than me. Uh, I saw someone on Twitter. There's acting and there's pretending. And Rami Malek was pretending. <laughs> and like, yeah, that's how I felt about it. It was just too much about my eyes are going to get wide here. My lips are going to go over my teeth here. Well, when you got the, it's, it's, it's coming from someone, uh, you know, I, I, I think you're right. Um, Robbie Malik is, 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 is a really good actor. I remember seeing him in need for speed in a supporting role and thinking that guy's great. Uh, he's, and I, I remember th- th- that distinctly, but I once was in a play where I was really excited to be there until they put this really just wig on me that I thought was one stupid and all wrong. I don't mind looking stupid. I like looking stupid in, in, in plays. You're I really, very good at I'm it. I'm very good at it, but I thought it was not right for this character. I think he thought he needed to be, he needed a contrast um, to, he needed to be stupid while not look, he needed to show himself as stupid. You know what I mean? Not walk out and be immediately thought it was stupid. And um, I was, it was killing me. And I was putting in a terrible performance because I was like, I cannot, t-. and I brought it up many times. And the, the director was like a 96 year old woman and I couldn't feel, I felt really bad about pushing things. And so I didn't, and I was miserable. Yeah, don't push her down. That's, right. It's rude. And, and so um, I could tell that the teeth were really bothering him. I could tell that that he's working around this teeth like it's constantly on his mind like it never blended yeah. into him and he need that is part of the story and is part of the thing but he I mean I think uh, he took the the tack that it was always on Freddie's mind too and so right maybe it was just part of you know in his so, fresh air interview he's like if you watch Freddie Mercury interviews he's always covering his teeth right and it, but to so, me it looked like he was covering his false teeth he was car- his he was covering his novelty teeth, so it was so much work to do it. That's what I was thinking about. I wasn't thinking about Freddie doing it. I was thinking about Rami doing it. So yeah. that might have been my just, p- problem. Yeah, but. I just kept. I don't think it was this bad, but in my mind's eye, thinking of scenes from Bohemian Rhapsody, I picture it like a Mister Show parody of <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody, and right, like David right. Cross playing that part, and how he would, <laughs> how he would do it, and that's how I yeah, remember. That's how, yeah. Rami's performance. I will say this. The Live Aid sequence. Right. Rami adds something to it. You know, yeah, it's a yeah. legendary He's... performance by Freddie Mercury. Rami adds something that's not there in the original. Right. Yeah, he's he's incredible in that. Yeah, yeah. 
but Oscar worthy. Yeah. Mm. So at this point, so Lily Coleman, happy for her on that. Awesome. Now, hey. at this point, this isn't where this comes in, but it's where it. I know it's where it, I took the note for it. So I'm gonna we'll address it here. Now, let me just ask you: Were you skipping all the commercials like you normally do? No, I was behind and I was gonna be up oh. late anyway, so I couldn't. Okay, so, um, so I oh, like to. No, I did because I was behind. Right. I just the only one I watched was the hotel one because it fooled me. I thought it was going to be okay a montage so, of movie scenes. So throughout the night, um, there is an ad that usually comes. I think right before or right after, right at the beginning or the end of the com- of the commercial break, they have an ad for uh, Walmart, which I'm going to dub those fucking Walmart ads because Walmart apparently paid a lot for the Oscars this year. It was a co-sponsor. They had all the lead-ins. So what they kept doing was they kept showing the unsung heroes on a movie set. The PA, the sound mixers, the the, uh, makeup artists, the the grips, these guys. And so... The greeter. The greeter. And so what they would do is they show the person doing their job. And then this other person would walk in, a dresser, to come over and kind of like give them needed items of clothing, like a jacket they didn't have and tuck them up. And it says, Walmart... Dressing those stars behind the stars, or something like that, and they basically they're trying to they're going to say, look, Walmart, Walmart, you know, takes care of the dresses all those Hollywood people that aren't on camera. And I'm like, are you're so you're saying the little people who can't afford things? <laughs> I it, I just found oh. them insulting. I found the them, people who are in a union, right? Uh, <laughs> that negotiates wages on their behalf as opposed to Walmart employees who... Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, everything about it just was like, huh. I mean, even if you don't have a, a an opinion about Walmart, I mean, if you don't have a derogatory or, or predisp- predisposition towards Walmart um, or against Walmart, it just rang fucking weird and, and insulting, I thought. Especially considering, yeah, they said they're... Their, how they treat their yeah. employees. Dress, dress your own fucking employees. Or just, <laughs> you know, give them a little pay raise. Yeah. Hey, what do you know when you... Give them a, a living wage. So, yeah, they really... It really pissed me off. So, but I'm done with that now. I'm a, I'm happier now. <laughs> Things you got have, that off your chest? You got that off Along chest. with the cum? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not even sure whose this is. Ugh. Then, oh wait, that's buddy... horse. Wait, that's horsey sauce. I'm okay. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah. Which which is grosser? <laughs> if that's what it typically looks like, you got health issues, man. Get that checked out. I need to drink more water. Um, <laughs> uh, and less horsey sauce. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Okay. Are you, enjoy- job, are, you enjoy- are you enjoying the show, Mom? <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Your son's Hello, 43. 
Thank you for all those breakfasts you it, it, look, it, made for me it, back it, in spring break of 1996. <laughs> well, I think you paid her back by shoveling her driveway. <laughs> and then some. And then some. There was a lot of snow. Um, one might say it was self-serving because we had to get the heck out, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, uh, at least my mom knows now that I do not understand nor wish to participate in the coming on non-traditional areas. I, I could take some solace that at least now she has a, she can rest assured I'm not one of those types. So stop pressuring for more grandchildren. It's not a question of aim. <laughs> That's right. I'm not, yeah. Seed is being deposited where it should. In a scumbag. No. <laughs> yes, right. Um, or it might be the horsey sauce. That could also be the problem. Directly into the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> it might be that it's, it might be that it's all horsey sauce. Onto his Arby's roast <laughs> beef sandwich is delicious. Uh, we're getting the explicit warning this time. Coming up next, best director best picture and that whole green book thing on you awarded it wrong the 2019 academy awards but first a special musical tribute by jackson maine maybe it's time to learn the old ways die Previous king said to prosper we must hide But the world and the state it's in Is such that we can't stand idly by Maybe it's time for Wakanda to say hi MCU films made history yet again But they're still disregarded as fluff 19 and counting Wow Superheroes save you, spend your time denigrating them. It's about time we got a nomination. You can't say superhero films are less than Hollywood hypocrites, so frustrating. You made us believe a man could fly, but why'd you never believe that he should win, that he could win? Maybe this year we'll face this cinematic sin. Give him the gold and put the stigmas in a bin. This one's got lots to say, great reviews, plus it really raked it in. Maybe it's time to let a superhero win Oh, maybe it's time to let a superhero win 